Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. As always, pick up the phone on one 106 Paperwise this morning, why would anyone put my beautiful son's brain in a bin? The question, unanswered question of Leona Birmingham on behalf of herself and her uh, her partner, Glenn Callan, and you may have seen uh, RT Investigates last night. I'll return to it uh, in a few minutes' time with uh, Leona Birmingham in studio. Uh, but all of the papers talk of it today. That's the story from this morning's Echo. The examiner has parents demand answers on son's organs. Um, and, and not just talking about Leona and her family, but uh, all 18 uh, families who've been affected by by this, the organs of 18 babies incinerated alongside clinical waste without their bereaved parents' consent. That's a story from the Mirror today. Uh, I will come back to that, as I say. Uh, there is another little baby story making the papers today also, and it's baby John, um, the Kerry baby who's buried in Cahir Savine uh, 37 years ago, found on the White Strand Beach in 1984 and the FBI now are involved in the unsolved case of who baby John is and indeed who his parents were and ultimately who was responsible for his death. And a front pager in the Sun today says the D- there was D- DNA taken from John when he was exhumed there some weeks back and the FBI are testing the DNA. You may well ask why. Well, one theory is that the parent or parents or those responsible for the horrific killing could have fled uh, the country soon after it and they possibly could have travelled to America. So that's a front pager making the sun today. And of course one of the big um, topics of conversation over the past four or five days has been, you know, the, uh, the added bank, the extra bank holiday which was probably coming anyway um, but also as to whether or not um, we would get people who worked frontline or who that would be actually determined as being, technically who was frontline and who worked uh, through the pandemic, as to whether it would be uh, some sort of a tax credit or might be a voucher or could be cash. Uh, the front page of this morning's Independent says that one of the things they're contemplating now is a tax-free 500 euro voucher for frontline staff. Um, they, but, you know, there's also a, a twist in the story in the sense that teachers now have said that they want and demand that they should be included in any kind of COVID-19 bonus payment. And the unions have come out and said that teachers, uh, all three unions said that teachers made a huge contribution during COVID, particularly with regards to remote teaching and keeping schools open. And they were of crucial importance in meeting young young people's needs. And on that basis, they should not be left out and they should be included in the COVID-19 bonus payment, whatever that will be, for their, as it's called in the papers this morning, their extraordinary efforts during the pandemic. Um, I don't know how many people would agree with that. I think that in itself is probably divisive, um, you know, uh, and we may well come back to that uh, a little later on this morning. But uh, Leo Varadkar is on a bit of a solar run. He's flying another kite. He said a few different things yesterday that were of interest to me. He said it'd be very easy to pay the public sector because they're employed by the state. So it'd be very easy to give public sector workers a cash payment or, you know, or, or vouchers or time off or whatever. Be much more difficult to give it to people who worked uh, during essential service work in the private sector, he's saying. <sighs> My God, I wonder if they've been better off. They just kept their mouth shut. He's also saying that um, there would be tax cuts for home workers because more people that work at home, of course, run up more bills, lighting, heating, broadband, particularly across the weekend. 
And they're also warning us that uh, energy costs are going to go up. So the budget could have some some breaks for people who are working remotely. But there's a big difference between the living wage and the minimum wage. And, and really, they should be the same and they should be equal. Like the minimum wage is at the moment 10 euro 20, while the living rate wage is just over 13, just under 13.90. It's 13 euro. It's 12 euro 90 cent. And the living wage is the cost, they say, that needs to be paid to people when you look at inflation and you look at costs of things. That's what people need. To, of course, it should be substantially more than that. But they say that's the cost of living wage, 12 euro 90. Whereas the uh, minimum wage, which an awful lot of people would be on, they could be on a little more than that in some cases, but 10 euro 20 is the legal um, minimum. Papers also this morning say that we're number one in the world for fighting COVID. Um, we're top of the class with regards to dealing with COVID-19, according to Bloomberg. And on side yesterday, uh, we had Ryanair talking about investing 170 million euro into their um, hub at Cork Airport. Uh, you know, they've got 20 routes. They've got aircraft that will be based here full time. And they're also including a couple of extra destinations by all accounts. But it comes, of course, with a warning. Um, and, you know, to those people that listened to those warnings last year about book flights early because the costs will go up. And, of course, they didn't. Ryanair warning again this time. Book flights early. Costs will go up. Uh, the papers also talk about uh, various um, court cases that were before the court courts, including a man uh, who got jailed for five years yesterday. A financial advisor called Mervyn Tanner. He makes the papers uh, because he duped people out of substantial sums of cash. It's his front page in the Echo today. And in one of those cases, uh, it was a woman uh, who got uh, a legacy in a will and wanted to clear her mortgage uh, so that her young family would be set up for the future. So she um, went and met and got financial advice from Mervyn Tanner and gave him €120,000. He persuaded her not to pay off her mortgage, but to invest the money instead she lost the 120,000 and she still has her mortgage. There are other case histories making the echo today, but he was in court yesterday and got five years jail. Papers also this morning talk of a 64-year-old West Cork man who sexually assaulted a teenager at the bus station in Parnell Place. He got prison yesterday as well uh, for more than... Sent to prison for two years, and he was before Judge Sean O'Donovan. Um, he imposed a sentence of 27 months, incidentally. Although Andrew O'Donovan, even while leaving the court... And leaving the dock says that he did absolutely nothing to the girl. The work of lifeguards across the summer was a little small story making uh, the echo today. Um, if you didn't know it and how important they are. Cork lifeguards rescued 21 people, reunited 23 lost children with their families and dealt with 940 first aid incidents on 12 guarded beaches along Cork County over the summer. Take a bow, give them a round of applause. And if you don't like spiders, not everybody does, although I have no issue with them in the wide earthly world. Uh, But a lot of people are freaked out by them. But apparently the false widow... Um, is using Ireland as a base apparently more so than ever these days. The population is rapidly growing. So it's a story that makes the bear. And small, small, you know, talking about, um, you know, other species that that we share the planet with. Uh, Apparently South Korea is, is banning 
um, eating dogs. The president of South Korea is set to ban the eating of dog meat. We would regard that, of course, as being a very disturbing practice uh, and many people would frown upon it. Other countries around the world do not. But South Korea apparently is going to call it a day on, on dog meat. And you remember I was telling you that Michael Collins' walking stick, I was telling you about that was up for auction, talking about it on the air last week. It sold yesterday for 60 grand. But other things that sell, Way back in the 1970s, apparently in January of 1970, four Danish schoolboys uh, secured an interview with John Lennon and Yoko Ono for the school magazine. They recorded it on a cassette tape uh, and they have a 33-minute interview with John and Yoko talking about the Beatles, the length of their hair, the recording of Penny Lane uh, and Abbey Road, um, lots of other stuff like that. His frustration with the Beatles, uh, peace. They even sang a song on the cassette. I mean, it's gold in your hand, if you like. A 30-second interview with John Lennon and Yoko. And it sold yesterday for £43,000. And they're asking in the mirror today, is it all right to get the Christmas decorations up yet? Anybody in Lee, on side got the Christmas trees up? I was in Dwyer's Electrical yesterday and they have loads of Christmas trees on display. Get in early, I suppose. But anybody out there with a Christmas tree up or anybody raiding the attic for the decorations yet? Halloween's still a month away, but you never know. There's a story in the mirror today of a family up in Tala who have the entire outside of the house completely decorated for Christmas. Lights everywhere. And they say that if you can make it to 105, you live to 130. Uh, People will live longer and are living longer. But the English Times this morning is saying that if you can make it to 105, you'll actually stop stop aging. At 105, apparently, everything's fine. The body settles down and you have 25 more good years and you live to 130. And if you were watching... (laughs) 130, think about it. There's babies being born today and now that will easily live past 100. They could get to 105 or 110. And now they're saying in the distant future, not too distant future, 130. Did you see James Bond, Daniel Craig in London last night for the premiere of the latest Bond movie? And he wearing a pink velvet dinner jacket. <laughs> I mean, it's fairly out there. But there's loads of photographs from the uh, the different premieres, both London and indeed Dublin, for the Bond movie last night. And it makes all of the newspapers too. Lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. The Neil Prenderville Show. Thank you so much, Don. You've been waiting a, a while, so I appreciate you holding on for me. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, a, a very traumatic, upsetting uh, incident. God knows I've dealt with a lot of these stories over the past few years alone. Um, your brother, Frankie, uh, was laid to rest four weeks ago. Isn't that right? He was. Yeah, actually, today, four weeks to left. Four weeks to the day. And buried in Cove Graveyard. What happened? What happened was he went into hospital on the 18th and because he was an alcoholic, so he was going off to drink. And my daughter was the only one allowed him to see him because she works as security in the Mercy, so she was only allowed to see him. But uh, what happened was he stopped breathing on the 24th. They put him into ICU and put him on the ventilator and there was no hope for him, so they turned off the machines oh. on the... On, yeah, on oh, the first Oh, and and why Why did he go in? Was it alcohol related, did you say? Was uh, it yeah, liver yeah, related he, or something? He, 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 yeah, it was liver because he was pure yellow. So, as I said, he was trying to come off the drink and all like, and we just, we didn't believe it. Like, so, as I said, yeah. He was doing his best to come off it, to quit it, yeah, and to get yeah. well again, but lost that battle of misfortune. Yeah. He must have been a, quite a young man, was he? 44. 
Oh dear. Oh, that's tragic. Yeah. That's tragic. Um, so you had, of course, the removal and yeah. the funeral and the burial, right? Okay. Yeah, Go ahead. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, what happened was on the fourth of September, he was buried with my dad and go graveyard. And about a week after, uh, we went up to, now I went up every day because I had to pass my house to go to work because I had got the Cove Connect bus up to Cork, so I passed the pass it. And after a week, we went in and the grave was destroyed. It was vandalised. Describe, describe. I mean, clearly at that stage, it would have still been laid out with wreaths, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. The the wreaths were there. Like, so my mother got a son. I got brother and my daughter and son got uh, Frankie and the son was destroyed. There was all the S and the N was completely gone. So we thought it was birds or something like that. But the O was perfect. We couldn't understand, but the the O was perfect. Then the day after, um, the K, i.e. Frankie, was completely destroyed again. So we said, what's, what's going on here? Like, so we thought, not now, and we kept going up and down. And, and all of a sudden, then it's every day you could see that the, the fruits are completely destroyed at the moment. And are you, I mean, are you sure it wasn't birds? Because in the past, that's what I've been told in some of the cases where people thought it was vandalism, it was crows. Right. You know? Well, at the moment, we don't think so because, like, as I said, the O was perfect with the S and N was gone. So the O and then all of a sudden the KIE was destroyed and then the BRO for brother was destroyed as well. Yeah. I can't see birds doing that. I honestly couldn't see it. Yeah. F- and they were fresh real flowers, weren't they? Oh, yeah. 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 And then there was a wreath. Uh, someone got a wreath for him and it was uh, that was all the flowers taken out of that and it was upside down and all that. And why, and let's say that it was criminal damage, why would you think they would do that to his grave? I actually don't know, Neil, because they said, like, obviously, people doesn't, like, he lived in Cork for a while because he lived in Gawley's Lake and Cove, but he moved to Cork, and as I said, he might have vendettas, I don't know, but no, like, as I said, if they have, if they have, why don't they come to me, like, you know what I mean, say, oh, Frank done this, Frank done that, like, but leave the man rest in peace, like, I mean, he's four weeks gone today, like, and it's heartbreaking, like. Did you clean it up and tidy it up as oh, best yeah. you could? Yeah, and all, all these ornaments. Then the daughter bought them ornaments and people bought them ornaments and they were all smashed as well. Ah, now that's different now if ornaments yeah. are smashed. Yeah. I mean, you might think yeah. that a crow might pluck on the reeds, yeah. but tell me yeah. about the ornaments. Well, the daughter bought ornaments there, like fell over pots now and thing, and you could see they were just smashed off the ground. like. As in someone picked them up and smashed them yeah. off the concrete? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> God. No, it's hard. It's heartbroken. Like you know, I mean, as I said, four weeks today. Like, and it's. I just. I can't car. I can't carry on this way. Like, surely, if it was, it was random. It wouldn't have been a targeted grave by grudge or anything. Surely not. No, surely. I, you, I, I mean, you were I, saying he never harmed anyone in his life. No, he never did. Never did. Neil, as I said, he had a heart of gold. As I said, I know he was an alcoholic, but like as I said, he had a heart of gold. You know, I mean, he was loved by someone, and for a deuce to the Simons, they. The, we, uh, the day after he was buried they had a memorial up in the Savoy Farm and it was absolutely beautiful I know and I, I, thank, know. I thank them from the bottom of did my he heart struggle as, did he struggle all his life Frankie? he did he did you know what I mean he was alcoholic from a young him. age he was because we were brought up the same we liked it was my, my dad myself and my brother and what you call it was is, uh, my dad died 12 years ago and he went very heavy on the drink then after that missing his dad 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oh, but God. he's laid to rest now with him. But I pray to God, like he just we just get to the bottom of this. Like, is there any cameras there or anything? Do you know? No, there's not. As far as I know, because I thought it was they belonged to the council, and they said no, it was belonged to the church. So I had I was getting onto the church. My aunt says there's something to do with the church. So yeah. she says she'll get onto the priest. But I will have to if I have to put a camera up there myself. I will. But are you I worried that it if it was intentional? And I don't know. It could have just been a random or that yeah. it might happen again. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid. Like, as I said, I've never heard of a grave in Cove destroyed. Only my brothers. Yeah. Only my brothers. I said, I know it happened to Cork, but as I said, not in Cove. It has done, yeah. Me. It has done. Yeah. Uh, the ornaments being smashed, that is a, that is a worry, you know? That, that, yeah, that, that's, that is. That, that's something physical that happened that involved picking exactly. it up, smashing you know it. You know what I mean? As I said, if they, like, the man can't come back to defend themselves, like, as I said, obviously he had enemies, like, but, like, leave the man rest in peace, like, or may not come to me and tell me that Frank done this and I can't do nothing about it right now, like, because he's dead. As I said, my heart goes out to the poor man, as I said, he's not resting yet at the moment, like. It's also your dad's grave. It's my dad and Frank, they're buried both, they're buried together. And do you need any help with the with the cleanup or the repair or the replacements? No, right? your gra- no, your grants. We have to. I know, I'm, because I know people will be offering. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah, of course, of course. But I know, as I said, I I'm hoping and praying it'll stop. It has to stop because I can't go on this way. Like every morning and every night, I have to go up to that graveyard because I know for a fact he's up there. And I I talk to him. As I said, I sit down, have my fag with him, and I sit down, talk with my give him my problems and all that. And <sighs> It's heartbreaking sitting down there when I know the grave has been vandalized. It's like as if you're always checking as opposed to visiting yeah, for a bit exactly. of for a bit of exactly, peace and a yeah. chat. You're kind of more on alert all of the time, you know. W- that, that's it, yeah. Because w- w- I, I, every time I go in there, I'm saying, "Oh, please, no, please, don't, don't be anything wrong." With the I grave. know. And all sure, of a sudden, and do, w- if there was anybody with them, any information as to who did it or why it was done, would you be interested in finding that out? I would. I would. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Interested. yeah, I mean, yeah. Th- again, I, I see texts here now. You would not believe the power. I just want to give you some, some maybe some consolation or you okay. know, so your mind could be resting a little bit easier. But they, but they say that the power of crows, they have incredible, unbelievable strength and magpies right. are attracted to shiny, you know, dangly things like that. And, and so you have magpies and you have crows that they, that they could also smash an ornament. Oh my God! Well, I no, if that's any consolation to yeah. you, you know. Yeah. Well, I pray to God it is. Good God forgive me for that. I hope it is because, that, like, I agree with you. I would, it, yeah. you know, at least it will be. At least it will be some relief to you to know that. It, Just hold on there a second before you go, Don. Natalie, good morning. Natalie, can you hear me now? Morning to you. Okay, actually, it was you were talking about. Is it Kilcully, Natalie? Hi, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kilcully Graveyard. Um, I was just listening to that lady, and the same similar thing happened to me years ago after my son's grave um, he had you know the insert where you would put uh, soil and flowers and stuff through the winter my dad changed it and he put um, good like shiny pebbles in there you know and we had new heathers and there was a few ornaments and I went up one day and all the ornaments were strewn around the place half of them were broken the heathers were it was like someone was kneeling on them trying to pull them out yeah. and then every single every one of the stones were gone there was a couple of hundred little pebbles in there, like every single one of them were gone. And I was heartbroken. Did you think like it was someone. vandalized, did you? Yeah, I came back. I was bawling, crying. I thought someone literally, it looks like someone came up and literally robbed the stones. Like, you know, and put them in a plastic bag and something and took them away. Yeah. Um, 
And I was devastated and I couldn't figure out because my son was mine, like who would do that to me? Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, Natalie. Thank you. But um, yeah, my cousin texted me and she actually said she was up there visiting her father-in-law's grave during the week and she saw the crows and magpies going at all of the graves, like they're pulling things left, right and centre. So, and then it made sense because any bit of, anything, like they have unbelievable strength, like, so so she said, and um, she saw there were loads and loads of... Um, so much strength that they were able to smash ornaments? Yeah, they can pick them up and then they're not carrying them fully and they're dropping and smashing. Okay, okay. So D- they're going to have flowers. Or, and they even, it looks like they're brand new sturdy heathers like, and they're quite big. And it looks like someone, like a man was kneeling on them, you know, completely like squashed them and then, um, and then tried to lift them up, but they kept dropping. That kind of thing. But yeah. every single one of the stones are gone. So they come in flocks, obviously. And if there's, um, and if they get stuck into one grave, so to speak, because something catches their eye, they they are taking it. And, and, and it could be it would be a new it would be a new grave as well, a fresh grave, perhaps any, with fresh well, flowers any, and any, colours and trinkets. Anything that catches their eye, yeah. Anything. Yeah. I've seen yeah. it through the years now. Like it's been ten years since Ethan passed away, so I've seen it loads of times. Like you see ornaments dropped. Randomly, all over the grass and stuff, and I've seen the birds at the the graves, like you know. So. Okay, Dawn, does I'd that say, does that come as any consolation to you? I hope it does. Well, ho- hopefully it does. You know what I mean? As I said, I pray to God it is birds. As I said, like I can't do anything but the birds, like. But I'm just hoping the grave wasn't vandalized. That is not a vendetta or, pr- yeah. or intentional yeah. vandalism. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's a horrible feeling to think that. Horrible. I know. Yeah. I mean, she's very upset about it. Clearly, and you yeah. must have been too, Natalie. You know, oh yeah. Oh, it was it was horrible. So, it made sense so when, when my cousin called and then I was looking around and I saw myself you know gotcha. and I just I just couldn't believe that okay well listen thanks for thanks for calling know? thanks for getting in touch yeah, it's no a matter. consolation to Dawn hopefully that that was the case thank you so much okay, okay. Dawn stay in touch alright and let us know if, um, if everything sorts you yourself out okay. thanks very much for Cheers. having me on Nate. not thank at all you. take care Bye. back after the break talk to Neil Printerville now 1851 04 Red FM. And you can text 086-8104-106. For those of us that sat down and watched uh, RT Investigates last night, it was a very, very tough watch. It was very, very sad. But I have to say that Leona Birmingham and Glenn Callanan uh, very bravely told their story on national television last night. And that can't have been any easy thing because I'm quite sure that there isn't a moment nor a day uh, that their little baby boy Lee isn't on their minds. And of course, they have many unanswered questions they and 17 other families, 18 in total, uh, demanding answers. Uh, in studio with me this morning, I have uh, Leona Birmingham. Thank you so much for coming in. That's no problem. Because I know it's not easy and it, it can't have been easy sitting in front of television cameras and telling your story from your heart. Such a private thing. Uh, it's definitely night. not something that we wanted to do. I mean, it was definitely last resort for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Do you, Leona, do you mind if we talk a little bit about about the pregnancy and the happiness of you know the, when you the, obviously there was a scan that told you you were going to have twins. We found out we were pregnant with twins at twelve weeks, and we were just overcome with joy. It was amazing news to get. Um, I think Glenn's first words were like, "We hit the jackpot." <laughs> When we found out there was two, um, I was probably a bit more shocked, um, but we were we couldn't wait for the future with the both of them. 
and everything fine at 12 weeks not a bother yeah. so so we got a bit of bad news at um, this scan we, they asked us to come back for um, another scan just to check up and then we met another consultant and that's when we kind of learned that Lee was sick um, was he not thriving or what do you, do you so know he, he was he was smaller than um, than Lewis was, um, and um, there was a problem with they thought some of his organs were outside of his body um, and so it was a re- through the pregnancy it was difficult how do you feel about that news um, at the start I thought oh no why us and, but I think as the days and weeks went on I just enjoyed every second I had with the both of them were you um, singing to them and telling yeah, them stories I, sang, I read stories um, like Glenn used to laugh at me um, but I really really enjoyed my pregnancy I loved feeling the board of her move I loved I loved being pregnant it was just what such a happy time uh, you, you are, are my, my sunshine, sunshine. <laughs> yeah that was definitely <laughs> one and I still sing it to Lewis to this day but uh, yeah I say he's sick of me because I do not have a good singing voice at all <laughs> Mammy's always have a great singing voice. The best singing voice. I hope he thinks that. <laughs> and then, of course, the other scan said that there could be issues. So, But yeah. you, you carried on yeah, and hoped for the best. Yeah, and we hoped for the best. We went on holidays. We took so many pictures. We, um, I loved Lovely the, one there in the Echo today. It's yeah, that was actually photo. in the Angler's Rest. Um, just enjoying it. A beautiful sunny day. Dinner, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... You went in for labour. Yeah, yeah, so um, I went in early. Um, the boys weren't due till the 3rd of November. So, of course, it was the week of my birthday and I had so many birthday plans. And um, I just said one night to my mum, I feel very different. And she said, oh, that's it. This is the start of it. <laughs> um, but I just didn't think nothing because I was so early. I just presumed it was just part of being pregnant. Um, How but, early? So would they, it was, uh, they were due on the 3rd of November um, and this was on the 17th of September so how many weeks how many weeks there was 7 weeks early early um, so yeah we went into hospital and they done the herpy tracing and yes they were on their way Um, it was Lee that was who uh, was the first baby that wanted to get out I think um, so yeah it was a bit of a shock but still through all that um, we both me and Glenn remained calm and we couldn't we were so excited to meet them both and we were so happy that Lee held on and fought through because there's so much uncertainty yeah. we went every week to get scanned and we didn't know what, would there be a heartbeat we didn't know what the outcome would but be but he arrived yeah, he arrived and, with the heartbeat mom, and alive my mum held my hand through the whole lot every scan everything she was just she was amazing because Glenn was working and um, so they both boys arrived um, by emergency C-section um, at 9.40 and 9.42 um, and we were just overcome with love and joy just seeing them for the first time um, and it was all a bit scary because they were taken straight to Neo and I suppose all the uncertainty again around um, Lee he didn't cry at when he was born so straight away I knew there was it was ser- it was a lot more serious than I thought um, yeah, yeah. And just for the hours afterwards, there was a lot of talk about will we send him to Dublin? Will he make it? Like if I was after C-section, so I couldn't go. Glenn would have to go. Lewis would have to stay in Neo. Like we were splitting up. Then I thought if I'd never got a chance to see him alive, I would regret it so much. Um, so I asked him to just watch him for the next hour and see did he pick up. But he started getting worse, unfortunately. So 
I suppose we set up palliative care for him and just gave him the best care we possibly could. Um, it was, it was such a heartbreaking time, but it was also, we were so happy that we got to meet him alive and that we had Lewis with us. And yeah. um, so we got him baptized, both boys baptized in Neil and the girls in Neil were so so nice um, just to think that all of them are mums and this is what they do and then they go home and mind their own kids day in day out but they take it very personally oh they do that's it I felt like they, they really cried do. with us yeah. like they, they really really it was so emotional it, it, the priest that came in to baptise the boys was so nice and everyone was just so so lovely to us and I could feel their emotion as well as ours Um but but at the same time, Lee is slipping away from. Yeah, me. at the same time, it's this is this is it. Like this is we have to. I told him exactly how proud we were of him because we were, um, like he could have gave up at any stage through the pregnancy, and Lewis would have been affected by that if they came any earlier. But he held on. He fought the whole way to come and meet us, and he basically saved his little brother's life by. Isn't waiting. that amazing when you say it? Yeah, put it like so that. He, and how long was he with you then? So he was with us um, for about five hours. Five. Um, yeah, and it was a lovely five hours. It was emotional, but it was so nice. Um, and we told him exactly how proud we were, how much we loved him, um, how much he's going. Well, I promised him that we'd mention his name every day for the rest of our lives. I know it's probably easy now, but in 30 years' time, and I've made that promise that we will speak about him at least once a day. Yeah. Um, and so far, we have kept that promise. And he went to sleep. Yeah, in he, your did. Arms. he went to sleep in my arms at five past one. So it was actually uh, gone twelve o'clock. Was my birthday, so um, I turned twenty eight, um, and he went to sleep in my arms. And Glenn and Lewis were right by our sides. Um, it was it was very hard um, because we were first time parents as well. Um, so I suppose we didn't know how to handle our emotions because we were so happy, but yet. The heartbreak just, of course. it was just, it was heartbreaking for us also. Yeah. You see, I wanted to, I wanted to chat with you about that mm-hmm. part of your life because we, we didn't hear enough of that part of, of Lee's life. You know, yeah. this, this fight in the womb, the birth, the surviving, mm-hmm. the living with you, being part of your family. He always will be the heartbeat, him being mm-hmm. part of the family, albeit for yeah. maybe four or five hours. Yeah. And, but we got to hold on to him. Um, we got to keep him next to us in a cold cot. Um, in, we went to Floor Force out in CUMH and they were absolutely brilliant with us. The nurses, the catering staff, the cleaning staff, everyone was so, so nice. All our family got to come up and meet Lee. Um, it was Felicon that provided the cold cart, so we got five lovely days with him um, and just just to leave our family see how beautiful and perfect yeah, he was meant so much to us. I know, I know. It's absolutely tragic. Um and it's important to share that part of your life and his life because, of yeah. course, what subsequently happened has become, you know, yeah, almost people, clinical in, yeah, in some I ways. Yeah, I wanted people to know that he had a name. He was born, like, a, he was beautiful. Yes, he, yeah. like, and that's, I think that's the most important thing that I want people to realise that he was a baby that was born 
live. Not that it makes any much, much more of a difference. No, it does. It, no, it, no it, everybody's but, tragedy yeah, is personal. Yeah, that, that's it. But I just feel like just to know that there's a name to this brain that we speak about, that there's a name that's to art, there's someone behind these yeah, organs yeah. that we speak about. So the nightmare then that followed, um, of, of course, um, is, is Lee buried? Is Lee is Lee buried? Um, in Cork, is yeah. He so Lee is buried with, out in Saint Oliver's, in Oliver's um, with okay. Glenn's mum. So he's out there with his nana, um, yeah. and I know she's definitely taken yeah. great care of him. Um, so we buried him five days after Lewis was still in Neo. Um, he was in there for a bit after being born. So we buried him, and I suppose the months that followed was making Lewis get stronger and bringing him home and. Um, we were grieving, but still, on one hand, we had so much joy, and the other hand, it was heartbreak. Um, and for every little milestone Lewis made, we were so happy he was meeting milestones, but so sad that his twin brother that wasn't, wasn't there. Yeah. His yeah. first smile, his first word, his first tooth, everything was... Well, his first tooth and his first smile and his first steps, they're for him and his brother, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's it. We just <laughs> missed Lee. I just even more if anything when he's when Lewis is doing all the his saying he should be hand in hand now taking their first steps and everything so uh, and 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 I I know that I don't want to get into the difficulties of the consent forms and you're mm. and also you've said to me that it's you know it's mm. not a, it's not an area that you can go into in a huge amount of difference but th- at some stage you would have been asked about a post mortem yeah. and have yeah, ticked so boxes for I consent think for us that knowing that Lee was sick throughout the pregnancy I did look into organ donation it was something that I just felt strongly if I could save another baby's life um, I thought why not um, but unfortunately Lee was. On, so on, when he was born he wasn't the correct weight I think they have to be over a certain weight um, we didn't know the exact cause of Lee's death so we couldn't donate his organs um, that's why we felt so strongly about a post-mortem we wanted to get more details I mean we were afraid that it could be genetic we were afraid that Lewis could be affected by it we weren't sure of the exact cause of death um, so we did um agree for a post-mortem to get more information and when they brought up about organ donation for medical research I thought this is a great idea if we could help someone else like the uncertainty through our pregnancy um, I wouldn't like anyone else to go through that and if I thought we could help someone by donating his organs and getting more information Correct. then yeah. it would be a great thing That was very do. kind of you So yeah. we didn't yeah. hesitate yeah. when the doctor mentioned to us about organ donation we we, we decided straight away yeah we'll, we'll definitely do that Yeah, yeah But what, what about the issue then of if there was a post-mortem and, and organs were removed and in this case it, it was Lee's brain you were expecting it back weren't yeah, you? Yeah so we, we but that was our hopes and dreams there was issues around the consent form um that we didn't see the consent form again till the following November. Um, so yeah, we're just we were a bit shocked, really. Well, I I know that watching the the show last night that there was a freedom of information request yeah. with, from you and your probably solicitor regarding uh, the consent form, and the, we saw last night that there were two options ticked, yeah. and then it was said last night that a doctor changed the consent form a day after mm-hmm. you had signed yeah. and ticked it. So. That's yeah. as much as we'll say about yeah. that. So, so that we didn't they need actually, to be answered. Yeah, that, that's it. We like we done. I well, when I got the phone call back in May, I think it was such a blur that I I didn't ask enough questions. I didn't say enough things. It was only when I re mentioned it that I when I called Glenn in that and explained to him that it hit me what was after because happening. Lee was born in September. 
And yeah. you, you got a phone call then in May. In May. Yeah, May 2020 to say um, that with all the uncertainty going on and about COVID, um, to be honest, I just thought it was a call checking in. We got his post-mortem results the month previous over the phone. So I just thought it was like a follow-up call. Um, and we were chatting away um, and then they gave me the devastating news that these organs, they didn't say which organs have been incinerated. They never told me it was incinerated abroad or... And at the time, I remember apologising to the uh, bereavement midwife I was on the phone to. I said, look, you're just a middleman. Um, I don't blame you. I don't take it out on you. And But I did say, this is a bit of a blur to me. Can you send me a detailed letter so I can explain to Glenn? And I know in years to come, Lewis will have so many questions about his twin brother. And I would like to be able to tell him everything. Um, so when I told Glenn, it kind of hit me that, he said, what do you mean? We're not getting it back. And um, and I suppose getting that phone call, we were in lockdown level five. Um, it was our first lockdown. Um, we had no support. Like we were cut off from our nearest and dearest. Um, I would have done anything just for a hug off my mum or my dad and for them to tell me everything would be okay. But we're talking to them through a window. We're first time parents um, struggling with grieving anyway and have a new baby. And I mean, every qu- question I had, I'm texting and bringing my mum, asking her what Lewis should be doing, what Lewis should be, everything. I just ask her everything and my sister. Um, so it was the uncertainty around the time as well that was so hard for us that we just needed to take a step back. Um, so I contacted the hospital again in June asking them, look, can we meet? I have a lot of questions. Um, and they asked us to send a list of questions by email. But it was Really? When, yeah, it was when we put pen to paper that we just, first of all, our first question was what organs? And that one really hurt me because I thought, like, how do I not know what organs they took on my baby? And I blamed myself um, so much. I thought, like, why didn't I ask how? Because it was a blur. You were yeah, numb. It was, was shocked. Like, at the time we had Lee next to us, Lewis was down in Neo and I just didn't think to ask, I suppose, or, but I, I hated myself for not asking. Um, and we just, t- I had to take a step back from it, from, from my own mental health, for Glenn's mental health and for the sake of Lewis. Um, I just said, this country kind of started opening up in small bits. And I said, look, I just need to get out and start enjoying my life a bit and come back to worry about it. Um, so it was a month before the boy's first birthday and I thought, I need to get stronger. I need to do this now. Um, because I can't go into his first birthday on with all this uncertainty. Um, so I contacted the hospital in August and sent them our list of questions. Um, and they got back to us and said, um, some of the staff are on annual leave at the moment. Um, and they'll get back to me. It doesn't sound very compassionate to me. Yeah, and that's even, it. even saying, send your questions by email. Yeah, like even that, I thought to Glenn, I kept saying to Glenn, like maybe we're just making this a big deal. Maybe it's not. The hospital don't seem to be too worried or too. Maybe it's not as big as we, we think it is. Of course, our world is coming crashing down around us and we don't know how to act. We don't know how to feel, but nobody else seems to be as bothered about it. And um, at what stage then? Because un- unbeknownst to you, there were 17 other families yeah, so it wasn't who were also until, in the dark. Yeah, it wasn't till very recently. So I, uh, we went through the whole month of September and I remember my sister saying, we need to do something like you really. So we looked, we Googled um, and we contacted an amazing service, a patient's advocacy service. 
And I said, they're going to think I'm crazy. That's the first thing. And my sister said, no, just ring up and ask them, ask them for advice. And they have, they've been amazing still to this day with us. And at what stage did you actually get a sit down across the desk? So we put our first complaint in, in October. We complained um, and we didn't get, it wasn't until we put an official complaint in that we got the opportunity to meet with them in the 9th of November. Um, and was it in November you were told that it was Lee's brain? Yeah, so it was that very meeting that when we went, they said uh, it was his brain. How did you feel about that? incinerated in Antwerp in Belgium and it was devastating. It was devastating. I, didn't be- I couldn't believe that. For one, it was incinerated and for two, that it wasn't even in the country. Like that day, they just shipped it out of the country and my list of questions still didn't even make sense because I was talking about uh, cremating his brain and I was more asking like was it cremated on its own and like so I did I really didn't take anything from the phone So you call. didn't know no. that mortuary department had decided to take all of the organs from 18 babies mm-hmm. to clear up space in the event of COVID deaths and ship them to Antwerp for yeah that that was my first time finding out and we 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 done so many FOIs and we appealed the FOI like five times and it was only in the last two months we realised there was that many other babies now they said there had I asked the hospital in November is there other people affected and they said there was but they couldn't speak about that we subsequently know there was you and 17 others yeah and then when I got an FOI to sit down and read that there was 17 other babies it just I think that's what gave me the fight to come and speak out about it because we had the the initial organ retention scandal mm-hmm. from the back end of the 90s and into the noughties you were probably too young to remember that at the time yeah, like, uh, I, I and do. it led to uh, all sorts of commissions and, yeah. and reports nothing nothing's just changed from googling really google in the organs and just reading back on them people's stories is it's heart is heartbreaking um so the so staff should have known that Past practices like that were no longer yeah. acceptable, but it happened nonetheless. Yeah, I think even getting the FOI, like a lot of that correspondence, to, for me was shocking. Like to sit down at home and read that kind of shocked me as well. At, at what stage did you both know, find out yourself and Glenn, that, that Lee's organ had gone with clinical waste? I don't mean to upset you, but when we talk of clinical waste, yeah. we're talking about swabs and bandages and needles. It, and it wasn't until we got um, the FOI, so another FOI, I think it was during the summer when we read that it was placed in a bin, uh, placed in a yellow bin um, and sent to Antwerp um, with um, other clinical waste. And that was that was so hurtful. That was that was shocking. <laughs> The, the, the yellow bag was that all of the eighteen babies' organs yeah, in the same bag? That's what we, with we clinical don't, waste. We don't know where. That's still a question that we haven't got an answer to. Because the babies were so so tiny, yeah, the, the amount of space taken up in a morgue mm-hmm. or in storage would have been yeah. That that's a it. Shoe like, box. It, w- it wouldn't have fit. Like the, I know they're saying it's COVID and they were, the uncertainty around the pandemic. They needed to declare the morgue, but eighteen babies' organs isn't going to clear, make enough room for for even one oh. body like it was I think it was very insensitive um, for them not to even contact us pick up the phone um, like in the FOI you can see that they knew the graveyard was full in January as far back but as why January why was incineration 
the, not an option here yeah, that, that's in Cork. It. Yeah, or like that's it. Like they could have went and found somewhere else. I know they have been searching, but they obviously didn't try hard enough. Why not call the families yeah. and let them know yeah. that they were at least proposing yeah, to do this? That's it. And we could have gave our spoke and we could have went and collected our son's brain. And Correct. Like, I just don't think they were thinking straight when they decided to incinerate our little baby's organs. Um, the time frame doesn't add up. Uh, no. I mean, Lee was born in September. September. COVID we, didn't come along till March. We, what was the six months about? We got an FOA and they said in the beginning of December they were done with his brain. They were finished all their work. Um, so his brain was sitting there from December to March to then get the excuse that it was COVID. For three months, our son's brain was was just left on a shelf um, and then they say it's COVID it, that, that's why I just find it very hard to accept COVID as an excuse A lot of those within the COH the COMH and the HSC are also finding it very hard to accept it it was a flurry of emails back and yeah. forth that eventually blew this wide yeah, open if you like. Recently we saw them emails and I thought there's Where actually said, people in, on our side that like when they say that it's not it's they're more concerned about the public than it's not as important as this and that they crazy. were the email said the HSE were worried about the adverse publicity and when I mm-hmm. heard that I was thinking the adverse publicity but what about the anguish of the parents are you not yeah, worried about that, that yeah that's it and even for the weeks after we got the phone call I asked them to send a detailed letter and they sent me a letter saying we apologize for any anxiety you're feeling and I thought how dare they apologize for how I feel and not for what they have done like, how do they know how I'm feeling? How they sh- they don't have to apologize. How do you think the that? other seventeen families are feeling? It's, because they only got phone calls on Monday night. Yeah, that, that, and that's what I'm hearing. Like, it's it's absolutely shocking. Like, uh, I feel like I have I took this on and I just didn't put it to rest. Uh, but just to hear that there's these families out here that didn't realize it went to Antwerp and Bel- like they deserve more. They deserve better communication from the hospital. They deserve so much more than finding out like this it's a disgrace yeah um, I, I, I find it incredible that nothing was learned mm-hmm. from you know 10 or 15 years earlier in Ireland mm-hmm. um, with regards to because it is a life mm-hmm. you know and, and you are right it doesn't matter at which stage whether mm-hmm. it's whether it's a, a woman who miscarries or loses during yeah. pregnancy or in, in the early weeks mm-hmm. of pregnancy or it's, it's still our, our baby. It's still your baby mm-hmm. and, and it's still you thinking of, you know, what the twins' lives would be, the markers they will hit, mm-hmm. growing up to be young boys and yep. young men. Yeah, uh, I, I, I always say, I think at Lewis's wedding, I probably still, my heart will still ache for Lee. Um, but I have accepted that. I have accepted my grief. I, I don't think there's a day go by that I won't miss him. But it's different when my grief has turned to anger. I'm so angry at the hospital. I'm so angry that this can happen in this in this day and age really. But he would go with waste. Yeah, waste. I don't mean to like, be blunt about yeah, that, it. Yeah, and that's it. And when we read, when we got his post-mortem to know that his brain was healthy and um, there was no genetic, nothing genetically wrong with his brain. No, it's or, his thinking part. Yeah, it's yeah, his, that, it, like, his emotions. Yeah, that, that's it. His like, thoughts. It's, it's the main, like you need your brain. Like, and I just thought out of everything they took his brain to just dump it. Like, like it's a bit of rubbish. It was, 
it's still hard for me to accept it. Now they ha- they are investigating. They've um, mm-hmm. they've said that there is a, an HSC South investigation. It should have been faster. They said it was delayed by COVID and the cyber attack. So I am. I, I'm to, inclined to think that yeah, it's more to do with I, you. Yeah, I'm back and forth with emails to the hospital, calls, um, like. I, they said they set up a great net support network for us, but like I, I fought for any bit of counselling I got. Glenn still has received no counselling um, from the hospital whatsoever. Um, like anything we received, we fought for. I'm fighting with the hospital to carry out this investigation to get the findings because if it is COVID that they're using as an excuse, why are they waiting till COVID is over to carry out this big? Review on how it happened. And there was no space in Corrigan. That well, that's what the, the FOI says. That there, there was no space. I think they went somewhere in Yall. Um, <sighs> they talk about money, about how much money it would cost to cremate all the organs. So incineration just was the best option for the hospital. Incineration is not cremation. Yeah, that, and incineration that, is waste. Yeah, that's it. That's what me and Glenn had to Google. We Google like what the is word. the difference between Big, it? Yeah, it's wa- you incinerate yeah, waste. waste. Yeah, that's it. And that that's what is that's what's in our heads. That's what like we're going to sleep. But when we think of Lee, we want to remember him and be happy about it. Not think about what actually happened. His brain and what the hospital has done to that. Listen, um, can you, would you like a cup of tea? Because I know this is a special song and I want to play it after 10. Are you okay there for yeah, a little yeah, while, I'm Leona? Okay. And we'll just Perfect. wrap up and chat yeah. a little more after yeah. 10. I won't keep you too long. Yeah, that's no problem. One tea, coffee, happy to oblige. Thanks. Back after 10, lads, in conversation with uh, Leona Birmingham. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7 a.m. and wake up your weekend with music, chats, and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Emerald Music Station of the Year. You're on Cork's Red FM. Chatting with uh, Leona Birmingham and uh, we were just chatting there uh, off mic during the news and you were saying that you were actually paranoid at times because you were thinking if if the hospital aren't making a big deal out of this, maybe I shouldn't make a big deal out of this. Yeah, I just think their lack of communication just made me wonder... Are, are you overreacting? Yeah, that's exactly. Not overreacting. Like I, mean, I, I probably can be a drama queen at the best no. of times. Um, I mean, I have so many texts from people. Um, many of these texts in front of me now are from people who watch the television show. But there's many, many texts coming in yeah. since we started chatting this morning. The, the support has been, I think yesterday, that's what made us mo- so emotional. The support has been overwhelming just to know that there's so many people believe in us how did you feel when you found there were 17 other families that that's what made me speak out that was what made me think i need to find out these other 17 families i mean there's power in numbers if we're all plaguing the hospital for answers then they have to answer was there any part of you worried that you might upset them with the information yeah that's that's exactly it i was afraid that maybe they just wanted it to go away maybe they wanted it to put under the carpet and leave it there um and even for any person that buried a baby recently I was Were you afraid. worried and upset for them as well? Yeah of course because I know that grieving Lee has not has been so hard for us um, like I don't want to bring bad memories up for anybody or worry I don't want anyone else to think God where's my baby's organs or we got a post-mortem and um, so I think what that happened, was the biggest yeah. thing yesterday that I was afraid of when it Have when you it spoken with any of the other families? Um, I did I spoke to one family um, last night um don't tell me who they are. Yeah, I won't, of course not. Um, on Facebook. Um, and I think they're just as 
angry as we are, um, I think they have a lot of answers that they're hoping to get answered. And um, I suppose everyone found out differently, which is... Well, I won't go into much detail here, but I was just saying to you, thank God Mm -hmm. for that consultant who said... This is not right. And yeah. that started the emails back that and forth. And just, you saw them through the Freedom yeah, of Information. Just seeing that email for me was very emotional. I, re- I still remember just sobbing, thinking, God, there's someone in the hospital that agrees with us yeah. and understands how we feel. Um, because all along the hospital, it's it was very, um, oh, I suppose, unemotional emails we were getting back and forth, just genetic kind of... Like there was no hard to believe that you would ask, hard it. to believe that you would ask bereaved parents to send your list of questions by email. Yeah, hard like, to believe that they'd be worried about yeah. adverse publicity. Yeah, it reminded me it. of the cervical I, smear scandal yeah. again. Even when we went and met the hospital and they said they'll set up support the week after we met the hospital in November, I got a call from the, the bereavement department and they actually said, "Look, we're very sorry. We just got your referral. We can't give you." counselling because you're too far bereaved we only deal with parents that had a loss in the past 12 months so that itself for us how is yeah. how is uh, I don't mean to private how is Glenn doing in all of this do you know what Glenn is Glenn is absolutely amazing he has been he's been the backbone of, of this he's been there to support me and to keep a smile on Lewis's face um, because we have to I suppose emotionally around Lewis put up a smile and be yeah. his mammy and daddy and give him everything he deserves yeah. so it's at night when Lewis is asleep that we can talk about it and we can look through the files And but again straight away the next morning we're back up to being our smiley mammy and, mammy daddy, and daddy going straight into that role like Glenn just pours himself into work and he didn't watch the programme last night he went for a walk with his dog and I mean it, it is very hard we are still heartbroken Um but we know now that we've done the right thing and speaking out. we definitely done the right thing and speaking out now. If you had known that it was going to affect so many families and attract so much attention and anger from people and upset, would you have done it? Um, I think if you told me a few weeks ago I would be on the news and sitting here speaking to you, I definitely wouldn't. Um, I think me and Glenn are more people that would blending in the background but just knowing that it's helping people um, and just being Lee's voice really that's that's who we're doing it for we're doing it for our two boys I want to make sure that they're proud of us um, and that Lewis has all the answers and in your quiet needs. moments do you do you say that to Lee do you do you chat with him and say I'm yeah, doing this yeah. for you like our house we have our pictures we'll have candles we go to the grave very often we speak with him I speak with him a lot and I just hope that we are doing him proud and that he knows that we put up a fight for, for him that we didn't just leave the hospital and get away with it I'm not leaving I, want, I need answers for what him. do you need answered? I need answers of how how did it happen why did it happen like why who who signed off on it like why Antwerp in Belgium why, why, why out of the country like um, just a lot of questions that have gone unanswered that I feel like we can get closer. Why wasn't I contacted? Yeah, that that that's it. Like I mean, Why didn't if it ha- it, even though it happened in March, like we still weren't contacted till the eleventh of May. And I know the hospital say they had questions themselves, but I got Lee's post mortem over the phone in April, um, and they'd never mentioned anything about his organs or anything like that. So this is far from the final chapter. Oh, that that's it. If anything, this has this has pushed. I suppose going by going public. I suppose we put the pressure on the hospital now. 
um, with the media watching and everything that they need to get this report finalised. We need to see the findings. Well, everybody's thoughts are with you and your family and of course the other 17 as well because they must mm-hmm. also be struggling like you are. I think you're, I think you're incredibly brave. Thanks I really, so I really do because as you say, you are a private couple. Mm-hmm. This is the last thing you wished. Um, and you haven't forgotten your beautiful, beautiful son mm-hmm. who you sang to all through pregnancy mm-hmm. and who passed away in your arms. And I asked you for for a song. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit about the song that you chose. Um, so this song is pro- is one we played at um, Lee's funeral. Um, and it's something that we probably play very often at home. It just reminds us of Lee. It's, it's his song, we call it. Do you get comfort from it? Yeah, great comfort. I played it while I was pregnant and this version of the song, I just, I love it. What's it called? Remember Me. Remember me whenever you are blue. Remember me when there's no one holding you. Remember me and I will be with you. Remember me whenever you're afraid. And when you lose your dreams along the way. beautiful song it's Thank it's you. it's lee singing to you yeah and lewis and lewis <laughs> and glenn, and glenn. Yeah. but it's your little baby singing to you yeah. they're his words yeah. i'm hearing there that, yeah that's what we get so much comfort from that song calic reed a song called remember me it's a beautiful song mm-hmm. it's a lovely tribute to you and the family Listen, thank you so much, Leon. It's not easy, I know, but thank you for coming in. Thanks for giving um, me the opportunity. And, and um, you know, thanks for chatting. Uh, the, the response from texts from people is incredible. I'm going to read those out in a yeah. few minutes' time, but thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Really on behalf means of us a lot. All. Okay.
Perhaps we'll chat again. Thank you. Take care. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And you can pick up the phone on 1850-104-106. I was saying to Leona, indeed to Leona, and on behalf of Leona and Glenn, that uh, the response of the public has been... Uh, amazing. I, I didn't doubt that it would be. Uh, Angie says, heartbreaking for all of the families. Hope they get justice for Lee and all of the other little babies. Janet said, I watched the TV show. It's like a story from 50 years ago. Both parents did baby Lee proud. Go get your justice for your beautiful baby boy. Jane says, I wish them some peace eventually when who is at fault is held to account. It will never be put right but I really hope that they ultimately find peace. Oh, they're an incredibly close family. They really and truly are. Not just, um, you know, Glenn and Leona and Lewis, but all of the in-laws, brothers and sisters, mams and dads and everybody around them. Laura says, awful to put your trust in professionals when you're a precious little angel, uh, with your precious little angel, to hear that they didn't have respect or care. R.I.P. Baby Lee. Bridie says, it's heartbreaking. Such a brave, strong and incredible couple. I hope they get answers to their questions. My heart goes out to them. Margaret says, it's an utter disgrace. Why didn't the hospital contact all the parents and let them make their own decisions? Inhumane carry on. Sharon said, I watched the television show. So sad. I can't believe the HSE is blaming this on COVID. It's scandalous. Um, it's so wrong. R.I.P. Baby Lee. So cruel what's being done to them and the other 17 families. Best wishes to them going forward. And I hope they get answers and they get closure. You know, when you talk of the other families, amongst those other 17 families is Annie and her family. And she joins me by phone. Annie, good morning. Morning. How are you bearing up? I'm not great, to be honest. It's all just still a bit of a shock. Yeah, I know. Because it's only in recent days, is it, that you got um, uh, very I got important a phone news. call Monday night at half seven of the grievance nurse up in CUMH just to let me know that there was a story going to be hitting the headlines on the Tuesday and that there's 18 babies involved and that I was one of the families. I wasn't told what it was going to be about, but just that I am one of the 18 families. And it's only when I saw all the headlines about Leona and Glenn that then when I found out what happened, my son too. So during that phone call, you weren't told what the story was going to be? No. Right. And when I rang back on the Tuesday after reading the headlines, because I was angry and I was upset, um, the answer I got was that they themselves didn't know what was being said until they found out as well on the Tuesday. But they would have, they would have known the colonel of the story, they would have known what it was about, and and of course should have told you then. I mean, yeah. you, you shouldn't have to hear in, in, in Tuesday, read it in Tuesday morning's papers, or hear it on radio program. You shouldn't. Yeah, that's it. Like I opened Facebook first thing out as you would on a on a morning, like, and it was the first thing I saw, and then that's when I knew what was actually going on. That's that's beyond insensitive. It, I just, I literally yesterday, I just stayed in bed for the whole day making phone calls. I was on to my mum for majority of the day because I just couldn't take it in. It was between shock, sickness, anger. I was just full of mixed emotions altogether. Can I ask you about your little baby boy? Yeah, you can. Okay, can you, can you um, tell he us was a little born bit about at, I was only 24 weeks pregnant. I got brought in as an emergency Um they didn't know what was going on, but they thought it was that my membranes from my previous C-section were starting to expose and that they could have opened up. So 
they tried an epidural, they were going to, they gave me the injections to help with the baby's lungs to try to keep them in longer, but they just couldn't control the pains. And eventually they tried doing um, an epidural, but the epidural also failed. So they just turned around to my mum. My mum was with me at the time and said they had to put me under straight away and bring me in for an emergency section. And that occurred? January last year. And your little boy was born? At 24 weeks, he was one pound four. One pound ten ounces, sorry. Tiniest little thing at 24 weeks. And he was unwell? He was. He was born. Um, well, when he was born, I didn't know anything because I was after being put under. It was my mother was with me. But what they said to my mom was that they had to go in straight away because I was putting myself and the baby at risk. So I didn't know anything really until I actually saw my mother afterwards when I woke up and she had to explain everything to me then. Um, and of course, the hospital and the staff did all they could in, yeah, in every he, way, shape they, or were form. Right, they were able to, they gave him CPR. He actually got past what they called the honeymoon phase. Right. So we did have a day with him. He was able to be baptised. His little sister, his big sister got to meet him. So, like, we have comfort that she got to meet him, whereas our son didn't get to meet him at the time. But we got the time we did get with him. Yes, yes. So that So you would have been told the bad news that it wasn't. Yeah. He had a bleed in his lung and a bleed on his brain. Yeah, yeah. And he so passed, we knew he, he was a sick little baby. And he passed away the misfortune. He did. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of the, the, the similarities perhaps with Leona's story are same, the same to yours because they, they, there would have been, a, a post-mortem would have been organised and you would have had forms to sign with regards to, you know... Um, removing maybe organs or part of an organ? Was was that the same yeah, case? Yeah, well, over his death, you see, they said they had to do a post-mortem, yes. of which we agreed. And they, like Leona, they said about how would we give it for the research, of which we also agreed. And we signed a consent form for the brain to be buried in what's called the Garden of Angels. In Corrigapon. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you and, signed. That was your yeah. wish. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And to the best of your knowledge, for all the time afterwards, did you believe that that had happened? Yeah, we got a phone call. I can't distinctly remember when, but it was a few months afterwards just to let us know that it was disposed of and that the research was finished. But we never got told where or why or what. Was the word disposed disposed used? Yeah. It's not a... It's not a very compassionate or sympathetic... It's not the right word to use. Like, in my heart, when they said that, I just believed they went with our consent and what we signed for, really. Which was that that your little boy's brain would be buried in the Garden of the Angels plot, the HSE plot at Corrigan. Yeah. And when was he born? January last year. January January of last year. Okay. Uh, That would have been... Three stroke, four months before COVID. Yeah. 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 And you heard absolutely nothing since until you got a phone call on Monday night ahead of the primetime program last night. Nothing yeah. at all. Nothing. It's only now that it's coming to light. And even the phone call that we did get Monday night didn't tell us what it was or what it was about. It was just a case of that a story was going to be hitting the headlines and that I am one of the 18 families, that my son was one of the 18 babies. Did you say 
What is the story? I asked and I was literally told they can't say until it was out the following day. Did anybody contact you following that? Well, I rang myself on, I rang back myself the following day after I read all the headlines. This would have been I'm yesterday. Been in, yeah, I'm yeah. after being in contact with two of the grievance nurses and they're contacting me to and from because I just want answers now like Leona. But now, but now you know that your little, little baby boy's organ, along with Leona's and 16 other families, um, went to Antwerp with clinical waste. I, in a way, I can't get my head around it. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. And I now will be looking to get the freedom as well to get all the files. But at the moment, it's just a case of why did they dump our babies? And what's upsetting me most is the fact they knew one family had already been told. Why weren't the rest of us been told? Why did we have to find out now just because it's after hitting the news? Because the lead-in time would have been many, many weeks because yeah. the programme would have taken weeks to make and there were many freedom of information requests where RTE got the different emails back and That's forth it. through different departments. They Surely, be to God, could have picked up the phone or somebody could have got onto all of the families. Yeah, and only for the fact that I, I do thank Leona and Glenn for what they have have done and what they are doing because only for the fact they have brought the story forward in my heart I would have still believed that my son's brain is in with all the other babies. How did you deal with it yesterday you and the family? I stayed in bed all day. (laughs) I was like I have two other children but I'm lucky my partner was here so she was watching the kids and just I didn't know what to do. I was just a mixed emotion. I was furious at the hospital. I was upset for my son. Why were you in the sense that you felt responsible to him, is it? I, I feel, I, like, like Leona said, at the time, it was kind of a blur, but I never thought of going further about it. But now I know the actual truth. I want to know, I do have my own questions too. Many questions, I'm sure. Yeah, I want to know why. I want to know who's to blame. I want to know why they thought our children's brains were so bad that they just had to dump them. And not even that, but to send them to a different country where we have no connection with. Why was why was cremation not an option? Incineration. Incin- was actually cremated, so I know it can be done. Or you could have been contacted and asked of your wishes as to whether yeah. or not you wished to inter. Oh, it's, it's even horrific saying it. Whether you wished to inter his brain with him or cremated in Ring of Skiddy. You, yeah. you didn't even get that option. No, we didn't get any option. Was, it, was, it, was it a financial reason that they didn't go for cremation? I don't know. Well... They just said that there was, when I was on to the nurse yesterday, she just said that it was down to them, that they can't point fingers is the wording that was said to me yesterday, but that it was the mortuary's decision is what I was told yesterday. Would you think that it's just somebody decided to have a clear out? Being honest, I think it's just they want, they're all going to point fingers like everything else. One one part is going to blame a different part. Another part is going to blame a different part. And I don't know, will we ever get the right answers? I mean, it's not as if you hadn't enough to be dealing with. And of course, you grieved through different lockdowns during COVID as well. My son passed in January. My grandmother passed in June. 
and COVID was severe and my mother was minding my grandmother as well so I didn't even get to see my mum. And are you expecting um, some contact from someone within the HSE to talk you through it? Yeah, yeah. I hope so. Now the fact they know we know, I'm hoping they will come to us because I will be going to them to find out what is going on. It's not good enough for the HSUs to say we don't comment on individual cases anymore because we've yeah. been hearing that that for years. It, 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 in this country, we seem to go from scandal after scandal to inquiry to tribunal to investigation and nothing seems to be learned, you know. Yeah. They, 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 they said that on primetime that we don't comment on individual cases. We're way beyond that kind of a response, aren't we? Yeah, like why let one family know and then find out weeks ago it was going to, why not prepare us that far back and give us our files also if we wanted them? Why wait till now for us now to have to do it again? I know, I know. Have you, have you spoken with any other families? I mean, I wonder... I haven't, not yet, but if he wouldn't mind, he can give Leona would more details. Would you like to? I would, yeah. Yeah. Would you get some consolation? I think, as Leona said, if we all kind of come together, it might help the investigation. We might get the answers because I find one person fighting a system is different to many people fighting a system. Well, she fought the lonely fight on her own for long enough, didn't yeah. she? Yeah, and we. Ju- I just want Leona to know she's not alone, that I will, be st- I will stand with her mm-hmm. for my son and for her son and for all the other families too. Do you tell your son that? Which, sorry? Your little boy that died, do you tell him that, that this is for you, you won't be forgotten? Oh, I I, I sat down in my bed yesterday and I took out his memory box. I had everything up on the bed with me and my daughter even came up at one point and I was crying and she just sat there wiping my tears because she knew I was upset. A tough, tough day yesterday. Yeah. And tough today as well. I think it's going to be, a, it might be a long road for us families, but the fight will be worth it if we, if we get to the end of why our children were just dumped. Like, they have a name, our kids have names. Yeah, yeah. I, I, people, will, people will wonder what your son's name was, but that's not somewhere you want to go, I yeah. believe, is that right? Listen, I'm happy to pass on your number to Leona and know yeah. I know that she will be very keen to chat with you and Yeah, no problem. Um, because, you know, you know, anguish shared, it can only help. Yeah, well, as she said, one family has already contacted her, so if we can all like I don't know if the other families are feeling the same way we are, but I know for a fact no matter who what family it is they will want an answer at the end of the day because your baby is your baby. Oh, I'd say people would be feeling lost with with unanswered questions. But at least we know of what went on now. Um, So, you know, that can be restorative in a way. At least there will now be a process that will have to be followed. Uh, It'll never bring your son back. Um, but, But certainly out of respect to him and to you and all of the other families, questions will need to be answered. Yeah, like and our justice. children didn't deserve it. No. And the fact there was hundreds of babies born, why just 18 of ours? 
listen, I know it's not an easy thing to come on air and talk about something so private, uh, but I do appreciate it, Annie. Um, and, no problem. Uh, and, and expect, I imagine I can say this without fear of contradiction, uh, expect a call from Leona. I know that she'd be very keen to chat with yeah, you. Yeah, so that's that, no problem. Let me make that happen for you, okay? Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much. Bye, Steve. Annie. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Take care of yourself. Um, I mean, for all of those families, their world must have come crashed around them when they um, actually did find out what happened to uh, their poor little babies. Um, clinical waste, um, yellow bags, dressings, bandages, needles, baby's organs in a yellow bag to Belgium, incinerated. Back after the break, text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Margaret says, absolutely heartbreaking. So brave of Leona to tell her story, their story, I suppose, if you like. Neil says, heartbreaking for all of those poor families. Lindsay says, hope you get your answers. Heartbreaking to listen to it. Um, the HSC should be ashamed. Susan says, very sad. HSC certainly has a lot to answer for. They're using COVID as an excuse. What a load of BS. The parents had a right to have their child's organs back. And even if they agreed for the hospital to bury them, they should have been buried, uh, not incinerated. That's disgraceful. Shame on whoever is responsible. Uh, Tracy says, heartbreaking. Very strong couple who will fight for justice for their beautiful baby and also help others to do so, I think, as well. Noreen says, hope they get justice with all the covering up from the hospital. Stay strong. Burr says, uh, absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, so sad for this beautiful couple. Sending prayers. Megan says, watching the television show is one of the hardest things I ever made myself sit and watch. Uh, you did your little baby so proud. I hope anyone that had any wrongdoing in this story will be brought to justice. No apology can ever justify this. I cannot imagine or begin to imagine how hard this road has been, let alone to go through it all again on camera uh, and speak to the country. We will all just hope your bravery will save other families from this. Eileen said this story is heartbreaking. Well done to the couple for speaking out. What I find so strange is that when COVID arrived, they were worried about the morgue filling up. Why were the families not contacted then? Well, that is one of the questions. And then from my conversation with Leona this morning, not a dry eye in Cork after that beautiful song, Remember Me, thinking of the 18 families and hoping for strength to carry them through. Uh, morning, listening to that amazing lady talking about her twin boys. Her little boy, Lee, would be so proud of his mum. Heartbreaking story, thinking of them. What a beautiful lady Leona is. God bless her and Glenn and their little boys. And then a very short text. There's no words, Neil. Uh, another one. What a brave lady. My heart goes out to them. That poor family. I'm horrified since I heard this story. The hospital haven't a leg to stand on because this is just evil and monstrous. It's like something out of a horror movie. I'm so sick of COVID being an excuse for the absolutely chaotic shambles of an, organiz an organization that the HSE has turned into. I'm so angry. My sympathy to those poor families. Rest in peace to the little angels, says Adele. Jerry says, this is a national disgrace. And there's been, has there been any change in this country? From the treatment of children in the mother and baby homes to this latest scandal, I wonder? Well, you'll recall the organ scandal way back in the, the back end of the noughties. And not just here, but in the UK. What's been learned from that? Thinking of Lee's parents, they're amazing people. Uh, speaking out, especially when it's all so raw. Um, Many people are looking for heads on this, actually, incidentally. I won't read out those texts because they might um, in some way maybe uh, um, interfere with an investigation within the HSC. So not all of them can be read out. Uh, that woman uh, on air, big hugs, breaking in bits listening to her. Scary having an emergency section on your first child. I went through it myself. 
but I'm so blessed that my child at least is with me. Uh, I'm bawling listening to the song and thinking of what this incredible brave lady has gone through. God love them and all the other families affected. Once again, Ireland hangs its head in shame. Yeah, but the people, the Irish people are so compassionate at the same time, you know. Uh, what a wonderful, wonderful, strong person this lady is. I can't imagine what she had to, to go through and is going through. I, alone, I have a lump in my throat listening to that song, um, Remember Me. Uh, and there are many others, really and truly there are, and, and I will come back to them throughout the course of the morning. You can text 0868104106. Geraldine, good morning. Good morning, Neil. So you both heard Leona on air with me and also watched uh, Primetime last night. I did. It was so heartbreaking. Poor lady. And uh, my sympathy to Annie and all the other parents. Yeah. yeah. Did you, have, yeah, did, you, it, did you get the feeling watching it last night that that it was like trying to pull teeth from the HSC with all of the emails back and forth and back and forth? Yeah. I mean, it's a disgrace that they didn't at least ring her and say, well, do you want the option to bury yeah. the remains or, yeah. Yeah. or something, you know? And like, you know, it's... it's it's like they've learned nothing from the past, you know what I mean? Yeah. When you say the past, you're involved with um, a, a memorial for the children of a school in Westport. Is that right? Yeah. I'm actually involved with two groups, Comfort of Mercy Group and also a group called the Rockies Burial Site. And they are connected because the, the Saint, uh, Columbus Industrial School, it was in the Ryan Report, you know? Yeah. And the children there were treated absolutely terribly, you know? They were... I mean, the lady that had up to them, Caroline Young, I mean, the story she told you, you know, being out in the cold and being hungry. And uh, it was, you know, that's how I got involved. My sister went to school with her and she was looking for people to help her with the group. And I joined in and I managed to get a memorial for that, which mm. will be in 2024. Not unlike, I'll be chatting on air tomorrow with Catherine Corliss. Not unlike her story out of tune, I suppose, really, isn't it? Yeah, and then the the Rocky site was set up by my girlfriend uh, Fiona McBride, who's in New Zealand and is listening in at the moment. And uh, we reckon that whatever children were in the convent that died were probably buried there because there was a burial site in the convent, but that was just for the nuns, and I couldn't see that. There's a lot of similarities in that story and yeah. our own story in Besborough, where we can't account for over nearly nine hundred babies. Uh, although yeah. there is a, there is a nuns burial area in Besborough, which is very small. It would take nowhere near. Nowhere near yeah, those yeah. kind of numbers, but but do you believe that that there is a mass grave then that you are going to be oh, putting a memorial to? The, the Rockies uh, is a you see there was a workhouse in Westport, and right across from it there was a mass grave because at the time there was a fever hospital and so many people were dying. It reminded of the COVID a bit. They couldn't really cope with it, so there was an old quarry and they put the bodies in there in a, in a mass grave. And could that know, have been babies as well, Geraldine? Well, there was babies that were not Christian and there was uh, people who committed suicide and people from the workhouse buried there and uh, they reckon there's over 2,000 bodies there Unmarked? Unmarked Mother of and God place, Yeah, you know they, it was kind of forgotten about and they went to dig there in 2010 but luckily one of the older people in the council said my God, you can't dig there because there's bodies buried there but the bodies were barely buried and he has already, the young lad had already exposed some bones. Oh my God. What have we learned over all of those decades and centuries? Yeah. And, and you were, you, were you raised in one of those establishments? Now, I, when the workhouse was um, locked down, there were council houses put there. So I was raised in one of those houses. But Caroline um, Young was raised in it. She was in there from two and a half. 
She was raised in the uh, industrial school. Yeah. When did the workhouse close? Many, many years ago. Uh, well, the workhouse was closed in, uh, well, it was it was closed actually not long after it opened because they just didn't have the money. Really, it was a closed about after 19, maybe 68. Oh, that then, late? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, and demolished yeah. then thereafter. It was and demolished, and in when, 1933 then, they demolished it totally, and then there was council houses built there. You see, the story, of course, of, of the modern day, as in Leona and Annie and the other parents, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lack of compassion, really, isn't it? That, that, that somebody yeah. in authority I, would have a clear out. You know, and, put, and there was put, children there that, and, you know, I don't know if it was in Westport, but I know there were children that were vaccinations tested out on and everything. Yes, that's right. Oh, a lot of similarities you know. with Tume and indeed with Besborough. But what I'm saying is that somebody would say, okay, well, we're going to have a clear out and we're going to use the yellow bag and we're going to put the baby's body parts in with clinical weight. I mean, this is 2021. I mean, it's, I mean, you wouldn't do it to an animal. You'd be probably brought up in charges if you'd done it to an animal. Well, I mean, you know, why not pick up the phone? Um, why, why not decide, okay, we, we do need to do something. Let's contact the families. Let's give them an option. Let it be cremation, for instance. I mean, that would be the right thing You know, right give them some sense of dignity or some sense of... That, that's a part of human being and like I mean what right have they to discard okay. of any human being like a piece of trash okay thank you Geraldine thank you for taking the call thank you so much uh, I will be putting this this topic of conversation to Catherine uh, Corliss on air tomorrow to get her thoughts on it um, you can be sure of that Frick good morning hey, Neil, how is I'm how good is a lot of calls standing by so I'll, I'll get to as many as I can go ahead what, what, do you, did you watch it did you listen yeah, this morning yeah I did I watched some of it Jenny I would like Neil I, I know I was on with you before I repeat myself again here to see like I don't know how long more are they going to put up with here to see every day there's something you know what I mean apparently there is some kind of protocol in place that the HSE will now say wasn't followed I'd imagine you know? Well, but hold on, Neil, we're investigating it. Hold on more before they start investigating or when someone brings it up. How many more years will it take to get to the end of this? Well, come up with some sort of crappy statement like the alarm they come up with. Like, Neil, babies, you know what I mean? Christ, as I said, and the thing like that, I'd bury them. I've no bone in them, you know what I mean? In the name of Christ, I, I still, you know, I can't get over this again. Like, as I say, I would hate to see. You know, I'd listen to that woman there, like, oh my God, it's to be listening to something like that, you know. Strong woman, isn't she, Frick? Just strong woman, yeah, exactly, Neil. You know what I mean? You'll be thinking, like, I've got and Glenn as well. Let's not forget our partner, yeah. Glenn. Of course, you know what I mean? Neil, I don't know where's it coming from. Like, it's here, it's here, as I said, it's head service executive because that's what it is. There's more executives than anyone else. No, I think I, I would imagine there are many, 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 many people within all sorts of different areas of the HSC that are absolutely horrified and very angry about this as well. Oh, it is. You know, because you are talking about in, you are talking about human beings within what? If you couldn't be, you know, upset by something like that, there's something wrong. Mm. You know what I mean? But like as you said earlier on, they need not to inform people. You know what I mean? Well, to pick up the phone, pick up the phone, and be forced to make phone calls on Monday on Monday night ahead of the. Primetime yeah. show means you know, that I mean, like, means you're screaming, you're brought. No, it means you're being brought screaming and kicking to the table, like it doesn't. Yeah, it, yeah. it is like as you said the other day about the best for a baby. It's the exact same thing unless someone highlights it. You know what I mean? They were taking babies out of people's arms, like and no, not to tell people that they're 
it's been incinerated, you know what I mean? I know, I, don't know. I know, I know. Okay, look, life is tough. look after Thanks yourself. Me. Thanks, Frig. Take care. Text 0868104106. We'll pick up on the text after these. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. And surely this scandal also raises many questions for all other families whose babies died soon after birth at the COMH. Surely be to God, there are many people out there now also wondering about their own child, uh, their own little baby. Um, it's, it's, it's bound to be the case, isn't it? Because they are going to have unanswered questions and they're going to be wondering, well, what if, um, you know, maybe I believed that this was going to happen. Did it actually happen? Did the protocol and what I was told was going to happen, you know, with regards to burial, say, for instance, in Coraquapan, did it actually happen at all? Uh, Leona, you are amazing. I don't have enough words to describe just how amazing you are. Uh, hi, Neil. Andrew here. I'm listening to your show, and I just want to give my condolences to Leona and Glenn on the loss of their baby boy, Lee. And not only that, I'm also disgusted to hear that his organs and others got incinerated in Antwerp, Antwerp in Belgium. Uh, it wasn't even in the country. It was in Belgium, which is disgusting, if you ask me. My condolences go out to both at this hard time. I watched the documentary last night, and I thought Leona and Glenn both spoke very well. Condolences to both again. Incineration is a completely different process to cremation, of course. Everybody knows what cremation is. But incineration is, is waste. It is no different to the waste that is collected in your blue bin or your grey bin at home, or the clinical waste that comes out of a, a, a hospital or a surgery, or the waste that comes out of an office or a factory. It's, that's what incineration is. It's a massive, high-intense industrial fire. That's what it is. My heart goes out to all of the families. Yeah, you're doing a great job interviewing them. No, so sympathetic. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline. Um, what a wonderful, wonderful, strong person this lady is. I can't imagine what she has had to and is going through. I have a lump in my throat listening to her and to that beautiful song. Balling listening to Remember Me and thinking of what this incredibly brave lady is going through. Uh, God love them and all the other families affected. Once again, Ireland should hang its head in shame. Um, my sympathies to the families of those babies, but no one will be held to account uh, civil service is infallible, you see. No one was ever held to account. That has to change, says Pat. Um, I've just been thinking, it would be a lovely thing, actually, if all of you guys are okay, if we just remove your telephone numbers and and, and that kind of information for the text, if we perhaps put them all together and, and, and send them to Leona. I think that you would get a lot of consolation from the fact that so many people are thinking of her and the family and also are commending her for her absolute bravery. I mean, she did say at one stage that she wondered, was she... Was she going mad that if the HSE didn't think there was any story here, it wasn't a big deal? Why did she think it was a big deal? So, so you know, for, for pioneers and for people who set out on their own, that's a lonely path a lot of the time. So I hope she doesn't feel lonely. Um, Frank, I imagine she doesn't feel lonely in that regard anymore. She is not alone. Just one call this side of 11. Frank, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Okay, so you've been listening. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think in one of your own comments, sir, I think you hit the nail at the head was down to pounds and pence. Well, I think one of the reasons was financial reasons, I'm told. Oh, I say, I'd say 90% financial reasons. It was, cheap, it was cheaper to... Well, the, the clinical waste would have been going for incineration anyway, so... Any, anyway, it was... Oh, it my meant, God. It meant probably throwing in an extra, what, one, two yellow bags into the container, like... And that's, the, and that's all they thought about. Nothing else. I mean, Neil... I mean, that's quite graphic to even say. It is quite graphic, but I'm sorry, it's... The days of not saying it have to be gone, Neil. We're of a similar enough age. There's only a few years between us. How long have we been listening to this crap? It always takes one person, obviously, to blow the whistle. 
and how brave that, that girl and her husband were and uh, Annie, the second girl you had on. But I mean, look back at cervical check, Vicky feeling. Well, the one thing I remember from the cervical smear scandal was when the HSE rounded the wagons and decided it's time to lawyer up. There was no compassion in that either. Oh, of course, and, and to try and force Vicky feeling into a non-disclosure agreement. Yeah. And be- before that, Morris McCabe. Yeah. Before that, Catherine Carlos. I mean, you can remember, as I presume it's 10 years, if not more ago, Enda Kenny standing up in the dial, crying those horrible, disgusting crocodile tears. I, Frank, I, I, can't agree, I can't agree with you. I, I think Absolutely. he. I think there was nothing done after. I, no, but I think I think, there, I think he was. I think he was genuine. I don't. I honestly, I honestly do not. I mean, how many politicians have you have texted you or rang you this morning? None, but didn't expect. But yeah, how them many to. rang you during the bids for a controversy? Very well, few, very few. Yeah, I mean, I, I have had conversations with them about that on air for sure, but I wouldn't have but, expected any. I mean, Michal Martin, I don't have the quotes from him, but he. he I, heard the, I, I actually saw that just the quotes, and I have to say that they can't. They seem to come out of shock more than anything. But was it unacceptable, disgraceful words like that he he said? That that's right. Uh, yeah. he, he, that's what he said. But I mean, surely to God, that wasn't the first Michal Martin heard of it. I'd say it was. I doubt it. I'd I mean, surely St- Stephen Donnelly must have been warned. I'd that say he... they knew nothing about it. I'd say they knew nothing but, about but it. But RT would have had to contact them for yeah. even for quotes. Like, as you said, this this programme was probably weeks, if not a few months in the I making. think sometimes you need to keep your powder dry with programmes like that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you know, if you were, if you were run, doing a story like that, you would keep, you would keep it tight. Oh, you would. Because, you know, you would never know what kind of pressure the political sphere would put down, would come down um, on the heads of RT. They could. I think those days are gone. You, <laughs> especially for RT. Are you are you joking me? When oh, well, when 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 RT are controlled with the license fee and taxpayers' money. Well, they, uh, I'd say there's a lot of fear within RT from political intervention. So I wouldn't be 100 percent sure. Don't be naive about that one. Well, it's, it's not a naivety, but I think that RT investigates has worked the license fee alone. They've broken so much in the last five years, especially. But, I mean, this was absolutely disgusting. I mean, I wonder if they're talking about an investigation, which probably dragged on for ten years, as they normally do. Yet another but, tribunal of inquiry. Uh, yeah, exactly. Are the Guardian involved, I wonder? Because as far as, no, I could be wrong. As far as I know, a consent form is a legal document. You're, listen, this, this, has, this has become legal now as well, yes. I, well, I mean... The doctor who admitted to changing that, surely that's fraud. We'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens oh, in that will, regard. Course, those yeah. areas. Okay, all right. Okay, thanks. Appreciate man. it, Frank, as always. Um, listen, thank you all for your contributions. If there are more calls and texts, well and good. Uh, but certainly this is a story that we will be revisiting. Uh, a Cork TD speaking in the Dáil today said that the revelations that the Cork University Maternity Hospital said organs of 18 babies to Belgium to be incinerated without the parents' consent has brought up the ugly past of the Irish state. Uh, this is Mick Barry. He said, powerful people may have to pay the price to ensure that something like this never happens again. Um, Mick Barry calling for a head or maybe a series of people's heads. Uh, in reply, Michal Martin said that the way the CUMH disposed of babies' organs was not in accordance with the rules and regulations made up by the HSE itself. He called the practice cruel 
and unacceptable. So that was the uh, back and forth in the draw yesterday. Back after 11 on 1850 I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Officially Ireland's music station of the year, Red FM. There's good news. Uh, Bingo's back in many places, uh, which is great. I mean, really, it is great because some people were just desperate to get back to their old routines and Bingo's amongst it. So Napiersha go on to me saying, thank you, Brenda. She says, we're wondering if you could call out in your radio program that Bingo is back in Napiersha Hurlingham Football Club Thursday, which is tomorrow, the 30th, uh, at 8 p.m. sharp. Now, there are COVID restrictions applying at the moment and they want to see all of their friends and patrons and players back supporting us. So 8 o'clock tomorrow night for the Bingo back in Napiersha. And I'm sure that is the same case in many other places besides. Um, oh, and I'm told now that it's not actually happening. Do you, let's, don't, don't. That's for Napiersha? Well, that was fast. <laughs> this place is 60 seconds. Anyway, if, if it has been, you're 100% sure it's cancelled. So ignore what I just said there about bingo and appearing. It ain't happening tomorrow night. <laughs> that is a fluid moving story for you if ever there was one. Um, listen, uh, a lot of emails and different topics that we've been dealing with. Uh, Seamus Whelan was out on the streets of Cork and uh, I hope to play that report in the next couple of days. Uh, he was out on Monday uh, morning um, just walking around uh, because uh, for many, Monday was the day that uh, Dole is paid and you will see a lot of people who unfortunately are suffering with addictions getting um, their, their welfare money on that day. Unfortunately, not too far from them, you'll find that there'll also be dealers waiting to be paid. Um, and it just, I was reminded that actually when I saw this text from Harley, I'd love if you could talk about addiction and put light on how many families and people are dealing with drug and gambling addictions all over the towns and villages across the country. It's gotten worse, you know. Uh, it's not just weed anymore and heroin. It's also crack cocaine. And since it's been introduced, things have gotten even worse. Uh, they brought the price down so much that literally anyone can buy it now for 10 euro a bag on our streets. Also, heroin has been reduced to 10 euro a bag. It's an absolute nightmare. And I'm just worried for the kids growing up and what they're going to be exposed to. Thanks for all you guys do. Well, it's not as if we don't talk about it, and we do at uh, quite some length. Uh, and indeed, as I say, Seamus was in the city uh, on Monday morning, and we'll have that audio report in the, in the next couple of days. But I was driving through town myself. I'm still upset about it, actually, to be honest with you, because it was, it, was, it was such a... Such a sad sight. I was, I was inside and I was just driving some people up to uh, the north side, up to uh, the Montanati area last night. And uh, I was driving through town, which would have brought me, you know, around about Washington Street and the Grand Parade and onto Patrick Street. And, I, and up around Patrick Street and over onto McCurran Street. And I saw so many people that were clearly the worst for wear. Um, for many, it was alcohol. But, you know, you can, you can tell when somebody is emaciated and looks very sick that clearly... It's crack cocaine or it's multiple addictions or, or it's heroin. And there was so much of it to see last night. And I just felt hopeless because it's just getting worse. And it's, it's almost as if you're coming to expect it. But as, as I drove down McCurtain Street, um, and I think I was just about to stop at the lights or going around the corner. There was this misfortunate man. He couldn't have been any more than 38, 39, maybe 40 years old. Big beaming smile on his face. Smiling, smiling, smiling. He was away in another world. He was incapable of walking. Uh, His hands were flailing around the place and he was just wandering um, and wasn't able to stand up. And he fell off the footpath um, 
right in front of my car. I got an awful fright. Now, I stopped, um, but he just collapsed uh, in a heap on the road. He was absolutely destroyed. The poor misfortune. So, uh, myself and another lad, I, I stopped him. We, we, we chatted with him and picked him up and, you know, we carried him over to the, the side of the, the road and uh, I think it was a first responder came along actually and, and helped me to move the misfortunate man. Uh, he was incoherent, really and absolutely incoherent. So eventually I got him to sit up against the, you know, the wall there by the, the little church and I, sta- I, just, I just stayed with him. I just chatted with him. Um, I must have been there for, I don't know, maybe half an hour. Uh, and uh, all he wanted to do was talk and, and to laugh and just to chat. And, you know, he kept on saying sorry. You know, and I'm saying, listen, you have nothing to be sorry for. You know, like, I'm just worried that if you walk off again, you're going to kind of fall off the footpath again. He was, he was that bad. Um, but he wanted to go home and then he wanted to go and get some food and uh, he wanted to head away. But he was, he was so disheveled and, and, and so, what seemed to me, so, so drunk that he was incapable of looking after himself. And I couldn't help but that. I went to Anglesey Street Garda Station just to say, look, um, perhaps a car should try and find him because he really is a hazard to himself because he's going to fall out again onto the road. Or indeed, if he goes anywhere near the river or the water, he'll just fall in. And in fairness, the guard said they would. And he said that he'd call a, a car from Mayfield and they'd, I'd give a description of the man and gave them his name, his name and everything. I hope he got home and I hope that he's safe. But I imagine that today will be another one of those days for him. And tomorrow will be no different. And so it will go on and on and on. But I just found it very upsetting. And I can't get him out of my mind since since last night. Even going to bed last night and walking around the house and first waking thought this morning was him and his life and how it got that way and how sad it is and how we're just losing this battle, you know. If it was a battle that ever could be won, we're not winning it. So my thoughts are with him. Back after the break. Calls on the way. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Well, I want to talk to Colin Tobin. We all know Co- uh, Tobin Shop in Gronabraher. Everybody loves it. It's been there for decades and decades and decades. It do everything and anything. Fabulous hot food there. But a um, bit of an experience online there the last couple of days. Colin, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Everybody knows Tobin Shop. I mean, we all know it. You're there, what, 35 years above and gone, isn't it? No, I'd say you're confusing me with cons. We're we're only open the year, but it was a butcher shop for seventy years before before Tobin's. Okay, all right, but you've been up there for a long, long time, haven't you? Well, I, I'm in the north side all my life. Yeah, I'm I'm thirty five years of age, and I'm I'm here for the last thirty five of them. So yeah, I'm here I'm here quite a long time, and okay. I have a few businesses okay. in the north side. Yeah. Oh yes, of so, course you do. Isn't there a hairdressers and a pub and all sorts of different stuff like that? There is. There's a couple of hairdressers, there's a pub, there's a convenience store. That's how I know your name then, yeah. Because we've spoken before, actually, about, you know, you going out in business and building up. a couple of times about insurance and all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Anyway, the perils of social media and when people are unhappy and they take to the keyboard. What what happened? So, at around 11am, I wasn't in the shop. I got a call from my manager, who does a fantastic job, by the way, Patricia Beardsley. Um, really puts her heart and soul into the place. Um, got a phone call from Trisha. She was quite distraught and upset to say that there was a, a lady inside in the shop and she was very irate and abusive and aggressive. And I said, well, okay, what's the issue? She said she wants to speak with you. She wants to speak with the owner. And I said, oh, well, okay, but, you know, give me, give me some background. Um, Trisha informed me that she had bought a roll maybe 20 minutes earlier and um, came back in 20 minutes later uh, demanding uh, and insisting that there was objects in the role um, 
you know, which of course there wasn't when she bought it. So what did she say what the objects were? Yeah, and she she had it in her hand and the objects were there very, very clearly, but placed in, you know. Um, what? Do you know? Well, what it looked like, I can't say for sure that it was, but what it looked like was rat droppings. Now, whether she mimicked that and created it out of some other substance, I don't know, or whether she had it at hand, I couldn't be sure. We didn't test it, but, um, you know... When what I, was it you know, supposed rat- to be? Was it a roll with hash browns and bacon, was it? It was a roll with hash brown, bacon and egg, is all she wanted in it. Um, so... Initially, Trisha might have thought it might have been a bit of black pudding that broke up, but when the roll was handed to her, Trisha was horrified, basically, and said, absolutely not, you know. Um, I mean, if if there was a little sprinkle, you might kind of say, you might even doubt yourself and kind of say, Jesus, what's gone on here? But the roll that she handed back was an entirely different roll to what was handed out. Um, you was know, it not the same roll, no? It was the same roll, right, but, but what I'm saying is... The contents, the, uh, yeah, yeah. The contents were And what did she, yeah. did she get abusive? Yeah, so she started shouting and roaring at the staff. When that wasn't met with satisfaction, she demanded that she speak with me. Then she started shouting and roaring at me and calling me a C-U-N-T. Um, then uh, a very nice lady that's a regular customer of ours kind of heard the abuse and said, listen, hang on a second, you have the wrong end of the stick. This shop is spotless. Look, you can see it's like no more than two feet away from you. All the food is made fresh. Have a look. It's all stainless steel. It's all spotlessly clean. And she called her a C-U-N-T and told her to mind her own and to shut up. And she basically, before she handed the phone back, she had told me that if she didn't have uh, an offer from my solicitor by five o'clock, she'd be taking to Facebook. An offer of compensation, is it? I'd, well, I'd imagine so. I don't know. I, How'd I that make know, you feel when she said that? Well, you'd be, you'd be raging, but I suppose I have to carry myself a certain way. You know, I'd be infuriated and you'd feel like getting angry and throwing abuse back. But then I, I suppose you're only adding fuel to the fire. But there's a couple of things I, I would have liked to have said that, thank God, I, I held my tongue and I didn't, you know. But it's, So if she doesn't it's, hear it's, from it's your solicitor with an offer of compensation by five o'clock, what did she say she'd do? No, she didn't use the words compensation, okay. but I, I don't know what else she wanted from my solicitor. Uh, by, an by offer, stuff, is it? Know? Did she use the word That's an offer? Yes, she did, yeah. yeah an yeah, offer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what would, and and what did she say she'd do after five o'clock? Or she would post on Facebook and get us closed down. And did she? Uh, well, I done what I would call a preemptive strike, where I posted first, and I just said, "Listen here, lads, um, bit of a heads up. If there's a post goes up about the shop, uh, a couple of our customers might jump to our defence and, you know, stand up for us and say how clean we are and the service, etc." And I was actually, I was extremely taken back because I, I expected maybe ten or fifteen regulars might comment, but there was hundreds and hundreds of people commented, and um, all the feedback was good. Bar one lady, which I think was a fake page, right. um, speaking absolute nonsense. But there was probably five hundred positive comments. Frightened. Oh, I get my dinner. Yeah, I get my dinner there every Sunday. Lovely staff, fantastic. So I, we were blown away. Did, by you ever, the did you ever have an EHOX inspection? Of course we did. Yeah. So basically, like as I mentioned earlier, I have two dental practices as well. There is more legislation around a uh, food business than there is a uh, medical practice. Uh, and that and that is that is an absolute fact. So basically, before you open a shop, you're obliged to invite environmental health up to tell you that all your sinks are in the right place, nothing is too close to a back door, that rubbish is in the right area, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So of course we've done that. 
the environmental health signed off on the plans. They were delighted. And then they came for their inspection. And they also asked me on the same day, uh, I didn't have to, but would I oblige and allow them to take away samples? Yeah. And of course I did. And we passed everything with flying colours. And I have a great relationship with environmental health. And you're on top of it on a daily basis with, t- with spot with checks and... The, the shop now is open. The shop is open 11 months and barring one night. And I think that was the birth of my daughter. I've locked up that shop every night of those 11 months. Every single night. So when no one is there and the shop is closed, I walk around, I check the cold counter, the hot counter, I check the stainless steel, and I make sure that everything is done. And as I said, I have the best manager I've ever seen uh, Trisha Beardsley and she pours well, her heart and soul in, into the place. She must be upset that somebody would make allegations well, like she that. Was, she was she was distraught. Yeah, she was distraught. But again, we have to be seen to be handling things uh, perfectly. The preemptive strike is the way to go on this one because you didn't hear from the solicitor and you didn't see anything on Facebook. So she's just gone on her merry way, well, I'd I, say. I know, for, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, um, whenever there is a food post goes up about a restaurant or a shop whether it's true or not perfect strangers jump on the bandwagon and they love to talk about it and you know um, like there was an incident there with a takeaway on Shandon Street where uh, a rat had uh, run up a hill and a customer inside inside the shop had filmed the rat running in but he neglected to mention that the rat just ran in the door and thank God the, the shop's CCTV had the full story where you see the rat running up Shandon Street and later back out the door. Nothing at all to do with them. But the first video was initially shared. That's beyond damaging. I can't understand. The first video was only the rat running out. But of course, if no, you no, looked, no, at, if you looked if, at the entire video, you see yes, the run, rat yes. running in and then out. Absolute, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The first video was the, was the rat running out as if that was his home. With your man but from the it, Chinese running after him with a brush or something. Yeah, but yeah. what they neglected to mention was yeah. the rat only ran in about three seconds earlier. Correct, you know 100%. What I mean? so, but, but, yeah. but anyone that sees the first video believes that just the place is infested with rats. Just see the one from Duke's there. Coffee Shop. It was on Cork Bio yesterday. I'll just read this. A popular Cork City cafe has told how, how a customer was disgusted with them for challenging her on bringing in her own food. The family-run coffee shop Dukes, who uh, spots in Mahan and Kerry's Lane, were left more than bemused when the woman came in with her own bagel and her own eggs before asking for some hot water to put with the tea she also packed. Uh, to her credit, she did buy some of their delicious porridge, according to the gang, uh, who told of how she was disgusted when they challenged her over asking uh, for some hot water, brought her own bagels and eggs. They said, we've a customer who's eating her own bagel and scrambled eggs, which she made at home, I presume. She also made her own tea. She asked us for boiling water in a cup. She did order our porridge and then sat down and started eating her own breakfast. She was disgusted when we challenged her. But apparently people responded to their story with one person suggesting the woman possibly had some sort of dietary issue, maybe. Uh, the good folks weren't having it, though, and they said she should have asked, she should have asked for permission. Um, so, uh, th- like, this, this is the kind of thing that maybe business owners have to put up with. People bringing in their own food, or in your case, somebody trying it on for money. That that and a hell of a lot worse, yeah. And I suppose not just not just in, in food businesses and you know, we're unfortunately like me and you had a conversation around six months ago about insurance fraud and I think it all stems back to that. Yeah. You know, this lady, you know, felt that there was an opportunity there and she felt that the second that she mentioned rat droppings in a food business that, you know, I suppose we would just make some kind of an offer to shut her up and uh that wasn't the case. You but, never you never that never crossed your mind, no? Not in the not, not in, in the, the years. years. Not not. I closed the place first. Yeah. To tell you the truth, because yeah. um, 
look, I suppose we're, you know, we're all legally advised to handle things in a certain way, but what, I, what I've genuinely found the last six months is I've adopted a different um, approach and I'm actually fighting back. You know, if you see, like, I, we say I have eight businesses, to- tens of thousands of customers in the north side of the city. And, you know, if I was negligent or if I ran a bad business, I'd kind of say to myself, well, yeah, you That'd be a wake-up call, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. Or, or sort it out. But when you put your heart and soul into it, like, as I said, I, I mentioned Trisha again, my manager. You know, I encourage Trisha to do around 40 hours a week, and every week she's doing 55 hours. I no. can't get her to go home. No. So when you're putting that kind of passion and energy into a business... Uh, I'm just not having anyone slate it. So the approach I've adopted the last uh, maybe six months is I'm actually fighting back. And even though it's not encouraged, I find in most cases it does deter. And it's Pat McDonough started all of the pushback, wasn't it? The guy in Supermax. He's the guy yeah. who said, no, I'm going to challenge everything, yeah. going to take on every spurious claim. The statistic was frightening, wasn't it? Was it something like uh, under 100 stores, he had maybe 90-odd solicitor's letters or 90-odd active claims? Unbelievable, unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, I, 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 have, I have a lady in one of my salons, I won't mention the salon, I won't mention the lady, um, that basically got her colour done one day and sent the solicitor's letter two weeks later to say she got a migraine. And uh, three months after that, we got a similar letter from her niece. Joys of it, man. With a migraine. A migraine from a colour, you know, so... What do you do in um, cases like that? Can you even say? Is that still live, that legal case? Um, well, we, we've heard nothing for a while. I think one of them is one of them is still active. Right, there's a okay. statue. There's a statue of limitations where they don't have to do a thing for two or three years. In any case, so she could, you know, maybe get a few bills in the door and decide in six months' time she's going to go again. Well, we won't know. go. We won't go into it. So and see how that one plays yeah. out. But listen, that yeah. they're the they're the joys of running your own business. Good to have a preemptive strike, and great to see so many of your customers coming to your defence. Though, would you advise others yeah. also to? Uh, to take I these think absolutely. on. There, needs to, there, there definitely needs to be a reform. And what I would say and what I would love to see happen and happening, and I know they are calling for it, is that I believe one of the factors that ruin this country, when I say ruin this country, I mean the price of high insurance, car insurance, that affects everyone, was uh, no win, no fee. And what I mean by that is if you walk into a solicitor's office and you've been, you've been hurt or harmed to no fault of your own, by all means, with a heart and a half, send the solicitor's letter, claim, and get what you're entitled to. Absolutely. But if you walk in and it's as obvious to the solicitor as it is to the victim that it's fraudulent, you should be laughed out the door. So if these people were told, well, okay, you want to sue um, such and such a person, but it could cost you five grand or it could, could cost you ten grand, that would sort all this out. If you That's lose, fun. you mean? If you lose. Yeah. If you yeah. lose. Yeah. If you lose. Yeah. Because you'd have to lose. pay... Because yeah. if you lost... You'd have to pay your costs and the other costs as well. So why the shouldn't they costs. if they lose? And the other costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Good point, yeah. good point. Well I mean, said. Well, said. I'll leave you with this. The person that was, I mean, yesterday that, that, that said the issue had mentioned that they wanted to get us closed down. You know, she's aggrieved over a role that, that you know, she wasn't happy with for whatever reason. And we, we look, let's not get into that again. But like, so her, her solution is to put 15 people out of work. You know, I mean, what sense does, what sense does that make? You know? I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, your belief is it's somebody trying it on, but the minute you challenged, they just completely backed off. Well, unless, the, whole, the whole lot of it is on CCTV. Unless it takes a couple of days for a solicitor's letter to arrive. I, well, I, ho- I hope it does, because as I said, the whole lot of it is on CCTV. My cameras are state-of-the-art. There's a microphone in the cameras. 
Um, so, you know, we can zoom into her role, we can do whatever she needs to do, squash it immediately, and maybe send the solicitor's letter back. All right, by CSI at work there. Okay. Listen, mind yourself, Colin. Thanks for taking the call, and good luck to you all at Tobin's shop. Cheers. I love the line, actually, from the guy inside in Juice Coffee Shop, um, where they said, well, you know, this woman came in and she brought her own bagel and she brought her own scrambled eggs. She brought her own tea bag, apparently, and asked for boiling water in a cup. Now, she did order porridge, okay, so in in her defence. And then she started eating her own breakfast and the guy in Duke said, um, I like Beamish Stout, uh, but my local doesn't serve it. But I'd never can't bring in a can of Beamish and start drinking it inside the pub. It'd be like bringing in your own can of Beamish and asking for a pint glass, wouldn't it? <laughs> anyway, I'm sure we'll get some calls and texts from other business people or other stories like that. So keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850. 104106. Um, I don't know. They're asking me here, did the woman pay for the boiling water? Was she charged for I don't. I don't know that part of the story. You, you know as much of it as I do now. To another story for you. Julie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Um, and without interruption from me, what happened? Um, so basically, I just wanted to just tell about my experience that myself and my boyfriend had this week. I started this week um, at a test centre in Cork. It was his first time um, going for a driving test. And it was my vehicle he's using as I'm the full license driver. Gotcha. So I accompanied him to the test centre, as you do. And as soon as he got the phone call from the test instructor, I left him off. And no matter, within five, ten minutes, I got a phone call. And I said, this is strange. He shouldn't be ringing me this fast. Maybe it's a mistake. So I hung up for him. No, sure, the test and would be half an hour anyway, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he rang again. And I said, no, there's something wrong. Maybe my car didn't start. Maybe something's really wrong. I'll pick up the phone. So he was in a panic and he said, come here. Where is your old insurance disc? I said, my old insurance disc? Why? Uh, I'm not allowed to um, go ahead with my driving test because the label on the insurance disc in my car had a blue strip down the side instead of a green strip. I have nightmares oh. about that feckin' strip on that insurance <laughs> disc. To you, like, that green strip. And I thought I was hearing things and I said, what, my, my insurance disc is out by six months. That's definitely not in the car, but look, have a look in the glove department. It might be there. And it wasn't. So that was it, game over. He couldn't go ahead with his driving test. Well, why couldn't he go? Now, in defence of the driving tester, I suppose, he was following the rules. But what, what was the reason behind it? The two main reasons which upset me the most was that the first reason she said that I should have a green strip down the side in order to go ahead with part of the checklist for the driving test. And that she was looking for the old, the old insurance disc to confirm I had a green strip. That if he had the old disc, which would be outdated by six months, and had a green strip down the side, he was able to go ahead with the driving test. So the, the insurance disc that you had in the pouch was a current live active insurance disc, but it had the um, wrong colour strip. Exactly. And the reason for that is because solely because of COVID, I didn't get it by hard copy by post. I printed it off myself um, online, which I received through email. It's a okay. fo- oh, it's a print-off of an insurance. Yeah. It's not... Don't those insurance discs, little pieces, have a kind of a, an embossed stamp on them? No? no maybe not. Um, the, like the main thing would be the date, and the details were well you, well, you had a, fo- yeah, but it, like, you had a photo, uh, like a photocopy of it. Well, it was a legit one by email, like a proper policy document by the insurance company, but it wasn't the right colour. That was the main complaint. Why didn't they and post you the insurance disc? I, I just uh, I just went by email because of COVID. Uh, I just went ahead without. Can you? Is that an option you can have? Um, do you it want is, your insurance just by email? Well, then it's yeah. legal. Then if that, if you're an option, then it's valid and it's legal. 
Correct. And the second thing I was most upset about is that the instructor was claiming the car was not roadworthy because of this insurance disc. And I said, hang on a second. Um, my understanding of the car to be roadworthy is by your NCT. Like the NCT is a certificate by um, the company that issues it to confirm your car is roadworthy. And my car passed the NCT the month previous. So you had a blue strip which should have been green. All the dates were okay. The reg matched. The policy number was on it. We called a driving instructor on your behalf with regards to this query or this situation your boyfriend found himself in. And the driving instructor said, it's on the rules check which is sent out by the RSA. The green strip has to be on the disc. They even say it on the checklist for tests sent out by the RSA. It's been that way for years. Being fair... The instructor said, it's in the RSA process sent out on the checklist for the driving test. No green strip, no test. Uh, and your instructor should have spotted it. It's like a hallmark on a Euro note. It's the only way to provide the disc is genuine. Uh, that's the reason that green strip is there. Otherwise, anybody could just print anything off. It's on the checklist for driving tests sent out with your test date and your instructor should have spotted it. And the driving instructor that we contacted actually said, I'd blame your driving instructor. What do you make of that or is the response? I know, I can understand because we found all that out afterwards, but I don't blame anyone. Like, uh, himself takes complete blame. Like, his main complaint is that he wasted 85 euros down the drain. On his first attempt, he didn't get a chance. Um, He is right in saying there was a checklist sent by email, but wasn't pointed out Obviously, you'd have to go and find it yourself in small writing. Ah, the small print, yeah. You just want to warn others, really. You don't have any grief necessarily with the, uh, the tester. No, no, it's no one's fault um, but our own. But I just don't want any other boyfriend or girlfriend, son or daughter to go through what we had to go through. Um, and it took him long enough to up the courage anyway to go ahead and book this test and to be told at the car park, we can't even take you out. Um, that was the most annoying part. And after this was um, uh, given to us information, we went around other cars just for curiosity in the car park and around other areas. And the majority of cars as you know, the slipped the disc for the display your insurance documents and entity can be quite narrow. Some of them are bended back, like my own dad's. They're um, all folded back. It, yeah. So I know it would have been obvious to her because in my car it's not folded back. But I often wonder if that was folded back, would she still take it out and check she, what colour? Uh, um, no? I know of a case in the past where, listen, I have an insurance disc and it has the green strip, and for years I've been folding them back because they don't fit into the pouch. Yes. But but I know of a case some years back where somebody did just that and the instructor, the tester walked up to the car, looked at it, didn't see the strip and just said no and walked off. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah. like, you know, if you're going to give somebody an insurance disc that's too big for the pouch, why are they making the pouches too small? I know. And for my own curiosity, because it was my vehicle he was driving and I was just conscious if I got stopped on the road um, by a routine tax insurance, I just queried it with the local guard station and she never heard of her before. She went out and checked her own car and said, look, my strip down the side, my insurance is, is actually uh, white. Do you know, like her print off that she got by her insurance company, the strip is white down the side, not green. Well, I mean, I've, I, you know, I've been stocked at checkpoints for years and like all the rest of us, and no, no guard has ever said anything about not being able to see a green strip. They just, yeah. they, would look, they look at the date on the insurance, they look at the date on the tax, they check the NCT date and they send you on your way. Yeah, and that's all that matters. Because um, I think at the end of the day, if she was willing to go out on the road for the out-of-date one to verify that it had a green strip and the current one had the wrong colour, like, that was 
with the most knowing part. Really. Yeah, yeah. Why would they look to see the expired insurance disc? Okay, fair play to you. Thanks for sharing, and let it be a warning to others. Yeah. And he's got to rebook now and pay again, doesn't he? Exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's a dose. That's a dose. Thanks, Julie. Take care. Thanks very much, Neil. Take Hopefully care. Hopefully, he'll pass. I'm sure he will. All the best. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850 104 106. And it's day three of our giveaways with some great prizes this week. Every day, a 250 euro voucher for Easy Living Interiors.ie. And on Friday, Easy Living Interiors have given me a 1,000 euro voucher to give away to spend in store on sofas or anything else you want to buy, you can visit them. Um, they've got a fantastic interiors exclusive sofa event on at the moment for sofa sofas and indeed armchairs. And they're doing an interior style awards at the moment where you can win five grand towards your own design home. So... 250 euro every day this week. You need to identify who's uh, running into the room and hiding behind the sofa. Don't call just yet. Have a listen. Uh, I guess I've always been... Uh, st- ah, now we're talking. That's tougher. That's the first one that I don't know. So I'll give it another spin between um, the phone lines. Talking about other famous people, of course, Bond. James Bond in cinemas tomorrow. No time to die. We have double passes for that as well. You'll be going to watch the screening at the Gate Cinema, whether it's Cork, Mallow or Middleton. So you're listening out for this cue to call when I open the phone lines. How's it going, James? How's it going? The name's Bond. James Bond. All right, so listen out for that sometime between now and midday today. Back to the phone lines we go. Margaret, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I hear you're in hospital at the moment, is that right? I am. I'm I'm nearly a full-time resident here now, Neil. Four weeks after a fall, was it? Four weeks, yeah. I spent one, well, I don't know if I'm going on five weeks or not. Um, Losing track of time. What happened? Yeah. I was taking my two granddaughters for a treat. I drove out to Smith's for before they went back to school. And I drove out and parked. The Kinsale car Road, I, Smiths, was it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Kinsale Road. Okay. And I told them to get out, and they were standing beside the car. And I went to get out myself. And when I went to move out, my foot got caught in the seatbelt. Oh, And I fell out face down onto the concrete. Oh, my God. And I broke my shoulder into two parts which I didn't know at the time, but I was more Did you not know from the pain? You know now, Neil, I was so concerned about the two little girls. I was, I thought they might run away, you know, with the fright. They're only seven and ten. But I asked so... And you're helpless on the ground now at this stage, Helpless. My face, I was like Pluto. My face was smashed into the ground. But there was a lovely couple came along and while well, I can, can't remember their faces hardly and they, the man knelt beside me and I was worrying about the children because... You had I asked said, one of them to run in and get help, hadn't you? I did. I asked the older one and I said to her, look up and down you know, the road, you know, and she did it. And the other the people came along then and the lady knelt down and was talking to the girls and they asked me was there a person they could call near me so my daughter-in-law teaches in the College of Commerce so I felt she was the nearest so I was able to I was still coherent like so yeah. I was able to give her number 
And um, the man said to me, the girls are all right, my wife is minding them. And he came to you and then, is it? He did. He was kneeling down beside me and he was saying, stay with me, stay with me. It's all I can remember from him. He so thought you were going to pass out. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think, I don't know what kept me awake. I think it was thinking about the two little ones, you know. But they were so good. I was he must have been and, very worried if he said something like that to you. I was very worried, very worried. Did they call an ambulance? They called an ambulance because I was quite near the ambulance centre. You know, it's out there. It is. So they came anyway and they just gave gave me something and shot at something and they cut my clothes off inside the ambulance and they brought me to the trauma unit in the CUH. So I was brought for um, surgery. I was all day in surgery because... um, the orthopedic surgeon said I had broken it very badly. Your shoulder, never mind the damage yeah. to your face as well, you said, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. it's after clearing up now my face. Luckily, I didn't break my nose or anything. Black and blues you have, but you're Oh, fell. I was black and blue all over. My hands and everything where I fell, you know. And when you were going away in the ambulance, you were probably worried about your grandchildren, were you? Oh, my God. That's all I was worried about. I was worried about, no, their mum had come then in the meantime. So I saw she knelt down and she said, Margaret, this is Jill. So I knew then they were with their mother. So I said that, you know, I kind of relaxed a bit. But they were so brave. I was saying to Brenda, you see, because I'm not out, I would love to do something for them to say that they were heroes that they are just heroes. to find them and thank them or get them a bouquet of flowers or something this couple yeah. what's the story also, about the my val- little granddaughters about to say that they're heroes your you granddaughters know, want to tell them they're heroes yeah. no I want to oh, tell you want to t- yeah. let, you know I would like to do something for my grandchildren as well to say t- that they're heroes what they did because they were they were so little and what they stayed with me, you know. They did, in spite of the fright they got, and they were very worried about oh, Granny. God, oh, no, sure, then. They, they were poor little things. They, they were wouldn't crying. know. What, they wouldn't. They were crying. They wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. What, what's the story about the two Smiths vouchers on the car? Yeah, when I when my family told me then that when they came back to take my car home, that there was two there was two white envelopes on the windscreen and two ten euro vouchers for the girls. Now, I think it was possibly the couple that stopped. And I'd love to be able to thank them in some way as well. Even Isn't that such a beautiful, do. not a beautiful thing to do? Wasn't it so kind, so, so kind. Wasn't it? I, and they were, wasn't it really like, yeah. I mean, I, I believe it was they put them there. And they were so good to stay with me and they were reassuring me all the time that the children were okay. When was this? So, it was um, a month ago, was it? A month and maybe a few days. Right. Okay. I kind of lost track of the days that had happened. Wouldn't it be lovely but to find them? I'd love to find them. I'd love to thank them. They really put my mind at ease a little bit that the children were being looked after. They are. Oh, listen, they certainly were. And that gesture Weren't with the they? with the Smith vouchers is just a beautiful thing to do. They went back beautiful in, bought the... And sure, the poor grandkids thought that they were going to Smith's and Granny was going to say, go on now, yeah. into that shop, buy whatever you want. But that'll happen as well when you get out, won't it? Oh, of course I will treat them again. But I would 
Sophie's getting her Holy Communion on Sunday after being cancelled three times and I'm not going to be at it. But um, I'd love to do something for them. I, if I was at home myself, I was thinking I'd get on to their Mount Teresa, their principal. And I was maybe thinking, you think I'm very cheeky. <laughs> if I, have you got your... Um, do you have, you know, the... You read it. The Red Patrollers to visit the school? Yeah. Not a bother. Yeah. Not a bother. And if they could get on to Mount Teresa and tell her and then have it as a surprise for them, you know? What's, what school is it? They're here. Skull Cleaner in Carrick Tool. That's easy to do. We can do that whenever you're ready to do that. I can talk to the lads here and we can pay a visit and maybe give them some little gift or a little award or something. But let, let at least we know where the grandkids are. Let's find the two heroes who came to yeah. your aid first, shall I we? Them, I absolutely, All I right. would so like you okay. to find them. Okay, so let's see who's today. listening. That might ring a bell with somebody. It may well be one of the two people themselves. Let's encourage them to get in touch with me. And if and when they do, I'll be back to you. All right, Neil. Thank okay. you so much. And you're on my call. You're well on the way to recovery. Won't be long before you're out. Well, I'll be another few weeks in here because I can't can't start physio yet until. Um, it's a long time, Margaret. It's going to be seven months for my sins. <laughs> it's what? Seven months before I'll be fully recovered from ah, it. Ah, you'll need the rehab and everything. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, I'm in a, rehab now. And it's uh, a bad bit of it's bad. It's a bad bit of luck. So, but, but look. You're in, the right, you're in the right place and get the physio. And let's see if we can I'm find ready. that couple. Do, please, Neil. I all right, Margaret. And you're very kind. Not at all. Listen, thanks for good. calling. I'd love to be able to Thank sort you, this Neil. one. Okay, if anybody... Thanks, Margaret. Look after yourself. Visit you. Was it you? Do you know who it was? Get in touch, please. 086-8104-106 by text. Pick up the phone on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Couple of fast calls before I leave you for the day that's in it. Uh, first up, we have Patrick. Patrick, good morning. How are you? Yesterday we spoke to Jackie. She's got COPD and we spoke to others as well. And Jackie's desperate to give up the fags. We're sending her to the hypnotist, Brian Evans, for treatment. We had some incredible calls of people under hypnosis. I thought it was amazing the stories people were telling. What's your own situation? You got it, what, three weeks ago? Three weeks ago, yeah. With the great uh, Martin uh, Kiley uh, in St. Luke's. I know Martin, yeah. How did that go for you? Very well, very well. I was, like, at the start, I was kind of a bit skeptical. I was, saying, like, I was just going to walk or is it not going to walk? But I just said, look, I was after trying the vapes, I was after trying the patches, and I, you know, I tried to go and call Turkey, not work. So I said, look, this is the last resort, I'll try it. And I tried it, and uh, as I said, like I still have the cravings, but they're getting less and less every day. But the, the will not to smoke is stronger. How's that? Yeah. I mean, was he planted some idea in your head, or do you have... Um, I, I think so, yeah. He's like, he, he, he it was very good, like, and he kind of said, like, if you see the colour red, it'll... You know, deter you. You'll be more determined not to give it up. So it was the colour red for me. So if I feel like I'm going to have a, I feel like I'm going to get a craving. I just look at something with the colour, the colour redness, and it seems to stop it for me. Really, the, the craving just diminishes. It, 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 like the as I said, the craving is still there, but it goes. Yeah, it goes, that's uh, the thought uh, he's planted in your head, and that's your trigger, and it works for you. And you tried lots of different ways in the past. Did you manage to I quit for been. any length of time in the past? Uh, I was I was off for about three years. Amazing. What and, happened? Because uh, uh, life got away. Yeah, <laughs> we just I know. Put it that way, like, yeah, stress. You know? Yeah, worry, anxiety, yeah, yeah. tension. Yeah, the living yeah. your life got in the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so so like it, it, it's it's definitely working. I, I would definitely recommend for people to try it. Like, 
So you're three weeks off from now. Three weeks since uh, three weeks on Monday. So you, on Monday. you really you, you you're really on the road to recovery. In fairness, because if we're telling yeah, me yeah. forty eight hours after your last fag, there's no more nicotine in your system whatsoever for the first time in twenty seven years. You're three weeks past now. In fairness, yeah, yeah, and it's uh, like as I said, the cravings still but every day. It gets easier and easier. Good man, yourself. Stay in touch. Let no. us know how you are. Three months often. I will indeed. Cheers, Patrick. Will Take indeed. care. Thanks, Tim. Bye-bye. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, how did it go for you? Were you years trying? Um, I was, I'd been off them for a couple of months and then as with Patrick, life got got in the way and went back onto them. Um, I tried patches, cold turkey, um, gum, but everything seemed to turn me into the You can have patches or you can have chewing gum or you can go for hypnosis or you can get um, the Alan Carr book or... Go cold turkey, yeah. but it's not uh, easy. Uh, no, everything seemed to turn me into the Antichrist. And then the mood swings, and you'd be short tempered, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I had done some research and had looking into vaping. Um, and for me, it was getting rid of the, the carcinogenics. When did you start? When did you get the vape? A couple of years ago? It uh, would have been about two, just over two years ago now. Okay, and uh, while vaping then, did you smoke at all at the same time? Uh, no, I went straight on to vapes. Amazing, and you think that's the equivalent of going from 20 Marlboro a day to maybe one or two a week, is it? Yeah, like, obviously when you start, it's important to keep at, say, the same, the same level, and then it's just a gradual case of you can wean yourself off um, the strength uh, is it? Yeah, so you can reduce the you can reduce the strength, but you can control how much you, how much you're getting uh, of a nicotine hit. You're not worried about you don't know what's in the vapor though, or what's in the liquid, no? Well, it's it, it has to be safer than um, than what's in cigarettes. That's for, that's for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. And and it's. Yes, it's relatively new, so it's not completely tested, um, but again... Do you feel healthier? Uh, definitely. Good stuff. Okay, well, long may I continue. So it's the equivalent of going from 20 Marlboro Red a day to one or two Silcut Silver a week. Are Silcut Silver very mild there? Um, that'd be one of the, week, the weakest cigarettes. Good for you. Well, you're on the road, man. You're on the road. Congratulations, Tim. Thanks for taking the call. One last call before I go. And, and while I do that, let me also just start our comps here. This is for a 250 euro voucher for Easy Living Furniture, easyliving.ie. You know the drill. Who's hiding behind the sofa? Uh, I guess I've always been... Uh, I'm the clue. EasyLivingInteriors.ie, 250 euro vouchers every day, Monday to Thursday, and a thousand euro to give away on Friday. Get dialing now, call at 10, 1850-104-106. I want to congratulate Neev Savage. I was reading this this morning. I actually couldn't believe what I was reading. Neev, good morning. Good morning, Neev. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm so, so happy. Oh, my God. Last Saturday, you became the triple world champion and world record holder for a deadlift of 200 yes. kilo. Yes, Neil, that's correct. Just over 31.49 stone, to be correct. Nearly three times your body weight. Yes, correct. What the correct. heck's going on here? Where was the championship? It was on in Sweden. 
Yes. So And the contestants yeah. that you took on in bait were from all over the world? All over the world. Um there was six competitors in my um in my category. So they were from Spain, UK, there they were Finland and Netherlands. Um, and myself. Okay. And what happens in a competition? You all keep on lifting until there's only one left standing, is it? Yeah, correct, basically. So you have to pick your openers and you have three lifts in each. Um, in So you'd like have three lifts in the bench, three lifts in the squat and three lifts in the deadlift. What's the deadlift? Uh, what is that exactly? So that's basically from the ground. One move. Yeah, just one move. So I love watching like, weightlifting in the Olympics. I think it's brilliant. Oh, it's just amazing. It's just everybody should do it. I mean, there is people competing and there was a lady, she was 77 years of age. 70? I think I've seen her. I think I have. Yeah. I think I read some press yeah. on her recently. You started as a sprinter internationally, didn't you? A load of I athletic did. medals. I did. I started off with Middleton AC. Um, then I uh, went to Leeville. My coach was John Sheehan. Um, I competed for Ireland internationally three times. And did I you get injured or something or that you changed? Was it an injury playing football or something for Ahada? I played football as well. I started playing football when I was 26. Um, so I was a late starter. A late starter in powerlifting, only competing with six years. Um, just got the bug. I was I had an injury, went to physical therapy, a therapist, and I had, um, I could hear all the noise in the background, and I said, what's that noise? And he said, oh, I have a powerlifting gym and a bodybuilding gym here, and I said, oh, I'd be interested in maybe trying out the powerlifting. And you were hoped um, you set up your own gym at home, trained away through COVID. During COVID, yeah. Yes, I won't, be, I won't be arm wrestling you anytime soon, <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I set up my own gym. I came back from the Europeans. I actually um, came first um, in Albi in France last year. And I said, you know what, now with all the gyms closing and all COVID, I have to follow my dream. Um, I set up my own gym, bought all the equipment and I'm at a stage now where I have to buy more equipment that is more uh, competition spec. So there'll be, I'll have to save loads and (laughs) yeah. Get sponsorship, um, girl. That's what you should do. Get sponsorship. So you're 67 and a half kilos. You were yes. competing in the 69 kilo category, Correct. which means yes. you were lighter than the category, and you lifted 200 kilos. Yes, yes, yes. A Amazing. dream you must, true. You must come in handy around the house. I do, <laughs> yes. <laughs> my, in, in my past jobs, I'd always be asked, oh, you know, if we, we need water, will you, will you put it into the container? And yeah, <laughs> I suppose so I'm lucky I've got good genes. Yeah, will you move dad. that car engine over there, please? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I, I have good genes um, and I work hard as well like I mean you know it's a walk in the park both mentally you, and physically you must, eat, you must eat a fortune do you? I do I do all clean all clean food you oh know um, Great and all the sacrificing and everything but you know what 
it's well worth it. Well, well done. Well let me let me it. just say it again. Congratulations to Niamh Savage, triple world champion and world record holder with a deadlift of two hundred kilos to add to your European titles in powerlifting in Sweden. Mother of God. Yeah. It makes it yeah. more shelf fundamental. Championships, Neil, were in France and Hungary the year before, but because of COVID um, there was actually no worlds last year. So I just trained away and I just, yeah, I just gave it all. And you know what? Take, I'll take a few days off now, get back into it again, because I have two more competitions next year, which I will be gunning for, because well, I'm sure there'll be girls trying to chase my you numbers. Can sure, you can be sure now there's a target <laughs> yes. on your Middleton back. But listen, we'll be keeping a close eye on you. Congratulations again, Thank world champion. Thank you so much, Neil, for having me on <laughs> your right. show, and I love your show. Thanks, Neil. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Great story. Cheers. Well done. Well done. Uh, okay, just a couple of quick ones before we go. Uh, Keith Dorney is in charge for you. Keith, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Who in the heck is this? I haven't a clue. Hang on a second. Uh, I guess I've always been. Uh, Who is that? Uh, Ross Keller. I just kind of don't ask me where I got it from. Ross Keller, it, as in David name. Schwimmer, the actor. Yeah, that's what he said as well, David Schwimmer. Yeah. Well done, pal. You're absolutely right. Fair play. I don't watch Friends, so I know nothing about it. But you're dead on. That's two hundred and fifty euro for you to spend as you wish with Easy Living Interiors. All right. Cheers, thanks for that. Enjoy it, buddy. I wish I had more time to chat, but I need to keep on moving. So, for those of you that are Bond fans and fanatics, no time to die. Lines are open, one 850 You want to go to the screening at the Gate Cinemas, Cork, Mallow, or Middleton tomorrow. Have a listen. The name's Bond. James Bond. Pleased to meet you, Bond. Okay, lines are open, one 850 Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.